Hi, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relay, a Star Wars podcast. Our episodes drop at the beginning of each week, and you can follow us on social media. Our links will be in the description. This week, we will be doing our character study on Cassie and Andor and talking about Andor ahead of its release with a very special guest. But first, we're going to do our introductions. So hello, I'm Emily. You can follow me, uh, she, her pronouns. You can follow me on TikTok at Stardust M and on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Stardust M. And my brainworm of the week is I Deidre and Cyril's Lost Stars lovers imperial twin flames um i'm obsessed with them already i need it yes <laughs> it's my lost stars <laughs> they're my <laughs> pain and <Sina. laughs> <See ya. laughs> uh Liv. hi i'm live um i use she her pronouns you can find me everywhere at olivia madala and my brain worm of the week is um canonical sapphic domina tag thank you along yes! for confirming that directly to me by the way um oh my but god that made me want to pass out actually and they came with receipts they yes. had the original script they had <laughs> panel descriptions and they had screenshots of the panels from the, of the panels. actual comic oh, that was came prepared that was the day <laughs> my favorite was like I thought this was obvious, flirting, yeah. but I guess I can see how people <laughs> didn't interpret it that way. They are the funniest person on this earth, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> hey, do you um, want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. So, hi, my name is Hayden. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at taika.ytd and on Instagram and Twitter at mcuytd. And my brainworm of the week is Liv and I going to Galaxy's Edge specifically so we can be bounty hunters doing one bounty and then giving up because we were hot and tired. <laughs> listen, I- listen, it was like a real feel of 108 degrees. We, it could, was- not, we could not be doing that. <laughs> I was in a navy blue shirt and black jeans. Plus, I had already, I was working on my second bounty and I had already gone around the park like twice trying to find it so i met up with them and you were like hard it was so hard and then apparently we found out that they were having problems like with the actual mechanism within like the bounty hunters app like disney was so it wasn't just us so it partly (laughs) was us because we were lazy but also because (laughs) it was it was still being worked out yeah but yeah that's my brain of the week um i'm sorry ethan that we let you down but we we were both very hot and tired yeah balance would be so upset stop you know what he would he would be okay with it because you know what he gets hot and tired too his cybernetics get a little overheated you know (laughs) um special guest would you like to introduce yourself yes i would um i'm savvy like the workshop (laughs) uh i go by uh they them and um you can find me on Twitter at Andorism, so like Cassian Andor and then isms, uh, or you can you can find me on TikTok on the same at, and then I'm not very active on it, but I have an Instagram and it's for Jetta, like the planet. Um, and my brainworm of the week, I think it was also the week before us as well, and it's followed me into this week, but um, Cyril and Cassian's like 
obsession, I guess. Like Cyril being so obsessed with this guy that named Cassian, like he's just like me. <laughs> I, keep, I keep thinking how that's gonna go, and I'm so excited. <laughs> I love, I love canon bisexual Cyril <laughs> obsessed with Deidre and Cassian Andor. He's so lucky. <laughs> that's fucked up. By four by uh Cyril and Deidre is that her name? I think it's yeah. Dedra. Okay. Oh, Dedra. Yeah. Dedra, I think, okay. yeah, I've been trying to learn how to pronounce the names from the interviews. <laughs> well, I when I think of Cyril, I think of cereal, but like French. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Cereal, but make it French. Cereal. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Great way to start this Cereal. <laughs> I can't do a French accent. God. <clears throat> I bet Kyle could with his like Royal Academy uh <laughs> acting school training. <laughs> a lot of the Endor cast is like theater girly or like theater girlies, I guess. Yeah. Retired also- theater kid Andor cast. <laughs> so true. <laughs> well, we know Stella Skarsgård. <laughs> Stella Skarsgård is because he was literally in Mamma Mia. <laughs> theater kid energy. I just want to know what that set was like with all those theater kids. <laughs> I have seen that, like, there's, like, some after party. I know on the first one. And, like, everyone got, like, fucked up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a picture of, like, I think uh, Stella and... um dominic and yes. one of the other dads and they're just like gone <laughs> what a night i've never Truly. seen mama mia but i know there's a mama mia no what i'm How not a not theater kid i tried to be a theater, theater kid. kid i know i'm sorry i tried <laughs> i tried i tried you have i can't to watch i can't it. you have to watch both they're both so good i can't do movie musicals I I feel it's like Abba. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's like but it's- <laughs> I I know that if I'll fall if I l- watch it then I will fall down that rabbit hole and I don't think I'm mentally prepared for that. <laughs> it's it's a pretty deep to. rabbit hole. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you have, it, you have to watch it to prepare for the Andor musical episode. <laughs> yeah. If they like pull that out on us, I know that they won't. But like in an <laughs> alternate universe, they definitely did. <laughs> well, because I forget Diego can actually sing too. Yeah. Was it didn't he um wasn't he in the Book of Life? Mm-hmm. He was. Was he the he main character? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was him. I no, saw this TikTok. <laughs> I saw this TikTok yesterday where it was this girl with like a dead pan expression, and she was like why did Diego have to sing Creep by Radiohead like that? Because now I can't listen to the song anymore because his version is 10 times better. And I was like, yeah, I feel that way too. <laughs> the only interaction I've had with the Book of Life is at the dentist office. That's it. What yeah. Odd. I, I used to go I used to go to a pediatric dentist and they always had like movies playing. It was either like Finding Nemo, Shrek, or Book of Life, which is a very <laughs> random co- combination of movies. 
I remember when Coco won the Oscar, my sister said, hey, that's Diego Luna's best friend. (laughs) I also have only watched Coco in Spanish in Spanish class. It's better. Honestly, yeah. It's better. I honestly don't want to watch it in English now. Don't. I will not. <laughs> or do. No one will do anything if you do. <laughs> okay. That was threatening. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a threatening person. <laughs> uh what happened this week? We had the b- most aggressive dump of Andor news that we have yet to get, including a clip. Which I guess oh my god later. <laughs> um, yeah, that was crazy for uh, news andor. It was like Deb and I. Uh, we both. She asked. She asked me to help run it, but um, we were like back and forth in DMs. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm listening to the podcast, and she was like, okay, I'm listening to this, or like I'm watching this, and then I was like, well, I'm watching the live stream, and she was like, I'm looking for the live stream, and I was like, okay, <laughs> and then. What was funny was that we had already had like a shit ton of other drafts because an embargo was lifting for a press conference and I was like ready to hit post. And then like the moment I was about to hit post, it was like all these interviews and it was, Dago was wearing like the same clothes that he was wearing in the press conference. So I was like, okay, so everybody's embargo lifted. I was like I was like they had them split into teams it was ineffective like they were like everyone is going on these shows yeah yeah uh Denise and Kyle were in some like dark black room with just like Andor ominously behind them I know (laughs) Kyle in like his white like t-shirt probably with like a coffee stain on it and then (laughs) next to him looking looking like a royal (laughs) <laughs> I'm shocked that man was not wearing a jean jacket. He loves <laughs> a good jean jacket. <laughs> shocked. <laughs> also, um, his beard was thick. Yes. For the longest time, Julia and I, my friend, when we were trying to assess who Kyle might be playing, it was throwing us off so much because he didn't post on Instagram at all when he was like filming or after filming really even. So we were like, we can't assess who he is or like what he might be because we need to know if he has a beard or how long his hair is because <laughs> if we don't know. Like we were like, and that's when we were like, well, if he he could be playing cows because what if he has to hide mutton chops and that's why he can't post. <laughs> you're like, if you post, everyone's going to know who you're playing. <laughs> the, the famous mutton chops. The famous mutton chops. <laughs> I was so convinced he was callous for the longest time because of the concept art. I, I know it's Luthan, but it, it looks like like mutton chops and it wouldn't make any sense timeline wise, but I'm a delusional person when it comes to these types of things. But like, I was like, that's callous. Like <laughs> Cassian is undercover and that's callous and they're working together. And I was so wrong, but... <laughs> That's, that's two down on the the callus. <laughs> that was probably the best day on Twitter like that I've ever had, and I've been on Twitter for a really long time. <laughs> the 
it was very fun to witness. It was, I know, <laughs> I was literally just, just about just to say those exact words. <laughs> it was very funny to witness. It was so funny because all of us were like, it's happening finally. <laughs> yeah, and then he's just some guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the second time I had led and or Twitter astray. And I feel like it's becoming like a thing and I don't want it to be a thing anymore. It's not my fault. He looks exactly like Callus. I went back to the post and it has like over a thousand likes. Oh, no. I was like, a thousand people agreed with me that this man should be Callus. And I'm the one that's always like, no, like Tony's like not going to do any fan service. Like he probably didn't even watch Rebels. And then I was like, that is Callus. That's Callus. He's the same height. He probably watched Rebels for this. I felt so bad because people kept liking my tweet, and I was like, "Please!" I was like, "I was like, stop!" I I I lied to you. <laughs> it's like it's like one of those moments where you know you're wrong, but you don't want to delete the tweet because it boosts your ego so much. You know? Yeah. Oh, it I was have a so lot of those. <laughs> well, I was like, to be fair, I am still my tweet. I was like, I am still thinking about this. I was wrong, but I'm still thinking. <laughs> yeah it was so funny because I remember somebody actually posted they were like do we think do we think that this is the actor and it was the actor and we were like no that is not him he's callous there's no way that it can be this man and then I feel like Deb was holding that picture in drafts and she posted it like right in the middle of all of us and I was like oh we were clowning really hard (laughs) My favorite said, is the I time. have to stop this before it goes too far. She's like, I've let it gone too far. <laughs> my favorite is the timestamp in my DMs with M, where it was like <laughs> the Elmo on fire gift. <laughs> and I was like, Falcon Trio is coming to live action. And then it was like two hours later, the same gift. Falcon Trio not coming to live action. <laughs> I too was bamboozled, <laughs> led astray. Uh, and then the other news, because we'll tra- probably talk about more like specific andor stuff when we get to that, uh, is the Bad Batch has been was like taken off the kind of like schedule for fall releases, which not really a surprise, I think, to any of us. <laughs> We were not but, expecting Bad Batch and Andor to come out simultaneously. Yeah. Like, really and honestly, you brought this up before we started recording, but if two major Star Wars television shows that are both around the same length, give or take a few episodes, they're not going to be coming out at the same time. Like, sorry. You're delusional if you think that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. That might, be, that might be kind of mean, but, like, get a little perspective. <laughs> I don't yeah. think September 28th was the official date. No, I, it was like, it yeah. was printed in a few random magazines and people just ran with it. So yeah, like, it, you, you kind of set yourself up for failure. Sorry. Yeah, and I think the like week apart thing, like September 21st and then September 28th thing, like even if people did have that second date in their minds, they should have been like, well, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like, well, it would have been fun to have two Star Wars shows coming out simultaneously. And I was like, yeah, except like, I don't know. One of them will vastly overshadow the other. Yeah, I was like, it just depends, especially if they were still planning on keeping them both on Wednesday. Like, it's yeah, it's just like one is always going to overshadow or it's going to be 
kind of caught be like the MCU thing where like they do a season finale of a show and then the next Friday or like the that week a movie comes out so it's like oh. even if one show came out on a different date it just like the it like immediately cuts off whatever like discussions are being had which also isn't good for like the promotion of the show because like you want people to be talking about your show for like more than two days <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm excited for the Bad Batch, but I'm more excited for Andor. So if I can just keep the focus on Andor for <laughs> like to our uh, whatever ten weeks, that's better. Yeah, yeah. Um. So with that, we will get into the uh, meat of the episode, which is Cassian. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's probably no surprise to anyone that this episode was coming up at some point (laughs) uh but the first question uh that we're gonna ask get into is why we like Cassian and specifically for Savvy Savvy and myself why he is our favorite character so do you want to start Savvy uh why I like Cassian first or both why you like him and why he's your favorite character you can do both (laughs) okay um I think why I like him. I was thinking about this today. Uh, the scene with the rings of Catherine, I feel like I always say that incorrectly, but it's Star Wars. Um, the part where he makes the decision with Tivik, where you can like see his facial expression change. I think that's when I realized I liked him as a character because he seems, he seemed in that moment really like complex. In a way, I I feel like when you see characters in other sources of media or even like other characters within Star Wars, their decision making isn't as like visible or it doesn't upset them, essentially. We kind of learn in Rogue One that Cassian is like a really, um, a really, I don't know the word, I'm forgetting it, but or like a really layered character. But in Rogue One, we only see that first one. So Mm -hmm. I think that that is what made me like him is that he had all of this like under this flesh and we were only seeing the skin, if that makes any sense. But we like kind of get to know him a little bit throughout the film, again, still on surface level. And I think the like hints that he gives us of his actual character was something that kind of drew me in for him to be my favorite character. So like if you read, if you've read like the Rogue One novel or if you've like watched the film, you Cassian kind of has like a sense of humor. It's very dry and it, it's hard to notice. And I think that he even has a difficult time noticing that he's being humorous. So I think like the part with K2 when he's like, oh, have you met K2? And then he says like, whatever, it's in his circuits or something like that. Or like th- throughout it, like he's this like grumpy, he's this 26 year old with this like grumpy 85 year old man on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and then as he goes like deeper and you hear more of his thoughts in the novel more so, um, I think that's when he started to become my favorite as well was, was like what it alludes to his childhood a little bit where I don't think that this is going to be an Andor. I think they might have like retconned this, but he was part of the Separatist cell. And he says like the Jedi are his enemy and 
and he doesn't know what he like thinks of them anymore. And I, I think I just love his thought process in the moment or in like certain situations. I have this headcanon that Cassian is like a gifted kid. <laughs> like he he is like a genius without realizing that he's a genius. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I just think that he's this like super interesting person like I just wish I could sit down with him and like grab a cup of coffee and like hear his thought process about everything <laughs> like I want to know like what he thinks of like photosynthesis <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know like I think that he would just be so cool to talk to and I, I think that he has a really soft side as well which I think that we'll definitely see in Endor and we saw again like surface level in Rogue One I think especially with Jin we saw that mm -hmm. soft side um, because both times he like opened up a little bit and the audience I like, got to know about him was with Jin, um, like with on Edu and then and I won't get in too much with with Jin because then you were asking me about Cassian and then in the, and then in the hangar. But yeah, I think that he I, I love him because I'm going to do a Shrek quote. I can't believe this, but he's like the onion. <laughs> <laughs> He's like this little <laughs> onion, and like I just want to peel back these layers. <laughs> he's my little Radical onion. Shrek allegory. <laughs> <laughs> I lit perfect. <laughs> but yeah, that's why he's my favorite. <laughs> Are we not over the onion reference? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, Liv, do you want to go? <laughs> so that's a that's a hard act to follow. <laughs> okay. Um, I think Cassian's pretty cool. I wouldn't say he's one of my favorites. My apologies. Um, but I I do think that he's. I like that he's different from the other rebellion fighters that we'd seen before him. That he he's not like your stereotypical hero that they that they kind of presented like x-wing pilots and stuff like that in the original trilogy i like that he's he he doesn't always like what he has to do but he does it for the sake of the rebellion um i know earlier savvy you you would mention about him being a separatist um and my favorite cassian fact ever from the visual dictionary, I think it is, is how he used to throw rocks at clone troopers. Yeah. <laughs> every time I think about that, I can't help but like die laughing. Like I just, just this tiny little Diego Luna, just like douche, just throwing <laughs> shit, just throwing shit at clone troopers. That's he's like, no, for that. As much as I love the clones, like that's so funny. <laughs> Being a clone and Cassian stan is so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, if Liv is oh. done, I um, I agree with Liv. Cassian is not one of my favorite characters, but that doesn't mean I can't appreciate him. Um, I also have only watched Rogue One maybe three times because of how much emotional damage it causes me. Yep, same. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
However, I think from what we've learned about Andor and from what I've heard from you guys about the novelization and the um, the single comic that he's in, the one shot, uh, he's a very, very complex character. And he's definitely unlike any rebellion hero that we've seen probably in Star Wars history. Um, he's definitely not straightforward. As, as Liv said, he's definitely not like as straightforward and as heroically portrayed as some of these like x-wing pilots and other figures in the rebellion and i'm i'm really really excited to see more about him in andor than probably any other star wars project we've we've talked about this at length but andor is probably going to be the best and most complex star wars show Mm -hmm. that live action star wars has put out um i i don't know why but this is getting more general, but this is really giving me a little bit of The Last Jedi vibes in the sense that there's, there's, war is complicated. And mm-hmm. I, the one part I'm thinking about is DJ in that um, ship in hyperspace when he pulls up the, the logs of the ship and it shows that the, the person who owned it was an arms dealer, but he sold to both the Resistance and the First Order. And I don't know why, but I think that theme is like, first of all, it's the only thing I'm thinking about when I think of Andor. Second of all, it's going to really play into the complexity of war and how just regular, ordinary people function within this kind of greater war in the galaxy that we focused on in the entire Skywalker saga. So yeah, I... He's not one of my favorite characters, but I'm very interested to learn more about him and what's beneath the surface. Emily. <laughs> uh, so I think like uh, Savi was saying, like the thing that kind of immediately drew me to Cassian was that his intro scene when you see, yeah, that like he kills, uh, I'm blanking on his name, like he kills the person and then you kind of see this like complicatedness wash over his face, but he just kind of keeps going. And like you guys are saying, I really was drawn to him as a as a hero in the rebellion who is very complex because I think we're kind of used to seeing heroes who are very much like, oh yeah, they're clearly the hero, Leia, Luke, even Poe, Ray. Um, very easy to assess like they are the good guys. And it's interesting to me that Cassian is one of the only like heroes that his intro scene includes him killing someone who is not like actively attacking him. Because the only other main character I can think of that does that is is Han in A New Hope. Um, and so I think it's, but at that point, Han isn't even really supposed to be like the good guy. He's just some like smuggler that they're picking up. So I think that's, really interesting and I think this whole idea of like we've all done terrible things for the rebellion that you have this man who wants to do good and believes in good but knows that like it's a war and so good people have to do bad things and also someone has to do those bad things and it has to be Cassian um, because a lot of times people like Bale and Mon Mothma can kind of stay above it um in a way that Cassian can't really afford to and I think that's really interesting and I I don't know like I think it's I think it's so cool to you when you remember how young he is because I think that's like a lot of people get kind of lost in the fact that like he is 26 he's so young and he just is like beaten down by life he's lost his planet at a really young age 
we know now from Andor that he will lose another home planet of his. And then, you know, he makes this decision to, to join the rebellion. And then he is forced to confront the fact that like, you know, we're doing good, but goodness comes at a cost. And it's a cost that I personally have to pay, particularly as a spy. I also really love the fact that they made him not just a fighter, but a spy. Um, I think that's a really interesting perspective that we don't see as much um, in the original trilogy or in a lot of the rebellion media, that his whole thing relies on lying and kind of uh, tricking people. Um, And I'm really interested to see how they pull that into it, especially like too, when they talk about like, oh, he has weaponized handsomeness, how like he can use the fact that he's like young and attractive to get people to trust him, to get further into like, you know, the empire um, that he uses kind of this confidence that he has. Uh, I hate to go on, but I also really like how he is so different from the other male Star Wars characters like Poe and Obi-Wan and Han, they kind of have this natural like charisma and humor to them that Cassie and Andor doesn't have. He's a lot more serious. Like Savi said, he does have this humor to him, but like it's very dry. It's not the same as like Obi-Wan who almost intentionally makes jokes. Um, (laughs) And he is uh, a lot, and he's so caught up in his cause that too he's kind of I think lost sight of what it means to just kind of be like a person almost to be an individual instead of just like a soldier or a spy or someone who is helping the rebellion I I do love oh sorry oh no I I do love what I think everybody said it actually but like seeing the the type of hero that like you would see I don't know if you guys have played Battlefront, but there's like this. Um, yes, I have. There, I think it was either Battlefront or Squadrons. I think it was Squadrons. But there's this propaganda that's narrated by Leia, and it's uh, played right before you get into like the actual story and the story, and um, it, it's it just shows like the pilots, and it shows like the X-wings and it's true that on like the outside you see like when you see the orange jumpsuit or or something like that you 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 know that that's like the rebels that are the heroes and you know they fight in the stars and like they've won so many battles for us but then with Cassian he's more of the the nitty-gritty the stuff that's more behind the scenes that's not really seen by a lot of people um it's very um it's very, it's things that teeter on the edge, like between of bad and good, like, is this right or is this wrong? And, and it, Mon Mothma says something about it in the, in the dossier or the dossier, however you pronounce it. But she was like, how would Cassie and Endor live a life after the war? Something along those lines. And that reminds me of what you said, Emily, where he kind of forgets to be a person and he's more a spy or a rebel. And I think that in Rogue One, we do see that. And I think that at some point in it, he hits like a breaking point where he comes to terms with it that he has forgotten how to mm-hmm. be just a man. And I think it's so cool because I feel like you could see that 
that like realization within him. I was yeah. going to say and, he's, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was like, that's kind of the balance between him and Jin where like Jin is so caught up in like, she got so caught up in like, I am my own person that she forgot that she like how to be kind of like a rebel and how to be a soldier and yeah. Cassian shows her and then she shows him how to be a person again. <laughs> yeah. Hayden. Oh, I was going to say that he's basically at least at some point he's real he realizes that he's being used as not like a person but he's just an instrument of war of espionage of everything um and yeah that that's all i had to say (laughs) (laughs) it is Um, it is sad sorry oh no no go ahead sorry please keep talking (laughs) we invited you on this episode specifically yeah (laughs) (laughs) so talk whenever you want (laughs) It, it is, it was like kind of heartbreaking to read that thing that Mon Mothma said, um, because how would a person, and I was actually reading The Princess and the Scoundrel, and there's something that Beth said, where it was like, they put all this energy towards something, and then now, it was when Han proposed to Leia, spoiler alert, Yeah. although it was like, how, it was like, how they put all this energy in war and they've met these people in battle and then you know Han proposes to Leia and then he thinks like or one of their inner thoughts it's his chapter so I'm assuming it's Han's he's like how where does all this energy go now like we're looking for something to put all this energy towards so I feel like that was like the what if and Rogue One for Cassian where it was like okay either I come out of this mission alive or dead and he's just thinking this what if in his mind but then he's also sure at the same time but yeah it's interesting to see that yes um so that will kind of get into rogue one uh so to start out uh i just want to kind of get into like thoughts about his like overall character arc and development and kind of like major beats so does anybody want to start probably it it was definitely not like any protagonist introduction that we've seen in um star wars thus far at least to the point of rogue one and it it establishes the fact that this is going to be a very different movie than what we're used to which is i'm completely 100 percent okay with that i can go yeah okay of course (laughs) (laughs) i like you said like it starts with the rings of kefreen and then i think like from then on we see like a lot of change i think that the change starts when draven tells him to disobey mothma's orders and um and kill urso rather than you know follow through with the extraction and i think that that's when he starts to realize that he doesn't I feel like he's always known, but in that moment, this is such like a big mission and it's different from all the other ones, which I feel like is a parallel to what's going to the plot in Endor when he steals something from the empire and it's like big and he can't something like that. But, but yeah, he starts to realize that this isn't going to be like a, a mission that he's used to. And I think that from then on, it only continues to go up. And then I think the more that he gets to know Jin throughout the film and when he meets Baze and Chirut and then even Bodhi, I feel like all of these people 
that he collectively meets all from different aspects of the galaxy. I think that he starts to like what they've said this a lot in the Endor press releases where it's com like community is the subject for change. And I think that that is a huge thing in Rogue One, especially because all of these characters are coming together as a community, essentially small, but it, it small makes a big change. Like how Galen said, I think at one point with the Kyber, but uh, something so small and broken can make a big change or something. Yes, it's my yeah. Twitter bio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He says it at the end of Rogue One, or no, of the of Something Rising. small and broken really can be powerful. Yeah, so I think that that applies to this group of people. It's so amazing how everything just seems connected. But I think that, again, like he, we didn't know this when we watched first watched Rogue One, but now that we have Andor, I think bringing that into it is really poignant. So he has this community with him now. And when he once had a community with him, it made a big change so when he's been on his he's been alone for a while what we're assuming which I'm probably we're gonna see in season two but he's been doing all these missions by himself and like probably the the interactions he's had are very quick or or fake almost I know he has a lot of uh you know different personalities that he goes through but but yeah, and then when he gets the sense of community again, he starts realizing that like change can happen and, and it is happening and he really has no way of controlling it. So I think that, and I prefer the, I prefer the war room scene and the novelization way more than I do the, the Rogue One movie. Um, do, have you read it, Emily? Uh, yeah, the one at the end of the book when Jin yeah. gives her speech yes yeah yes. it's like three hours long and Cassian is there and and he like and Bodhi says, like talks it like answers a bunch of yeah. questions yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, I feel like that's when there's like another turning point and you, it's from Jin's perspective so you can't mm -hmm. really like tell what his thought process is but I feel like when he was telling the lie of the whole extra the Galen extraction story is when he was like okay this is my last lie like, this is the last lie I ever want to give, I ever want to tell for the rebellion. He was like, I want clean slate from here, or or, I guess not a clean slate, or I don't think he was looking for redemption either. I just think that he knew what he, he knew in his heart, he knew what was the right thing to do. And that was help Jin. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, you can totally see that throughout the film. And I think that they did it really, really well. And I think Diego portrayed it amazingly. Yes. Yeah, I think part of what's so interesting about Cassian is like for a person who like, because as a spy, he has to get people to trust him. So as a person who is so good at getting people to trust him, he clearly has a very hard time trusting other people, uh, Jin in particular, but really just kind of the whole rebellion. Um, and I mean, my assumption is based on kind of where Andor seems to be leading like Jin, it is probably because whenever he has trusted or loved someone in the past they have died um, or somehow left him or maybe betrayed him um because you know we're getting a bunch of new characters in Andor who are not in Rogue One so we can only assume um but I I love that like Jin a lot of his 
art comes with like learning to trust people and also learning to trust himself again because I think when we it's like the same thing you talk about is like you know he or we've talked about is like he lost himself in the rebellion he lost himself in being a soldier that I think he was and he and he was so lost in kind of like I know it's a clone thing but this kind of mentality of like good soldiers follow orders he wants to be a good soldier for the rebellion he'll follow the order he is planning on killing Jenner so like basically right until he gets up there and you know from the uh, comic we see that part of it is because he looks at her and all he can see is Jin uh, or looks at him and all he can see is Jin um but this idea that it's his arc is kind of learning to trust himself again and his instincts and and what he thinks is right because yes the rebellion is doing good and they are in the right but they don't always do the right thing like how choosing to scare go not go to Scarif was not the right thing to do and at the beginning of the movie Cassian would have followed through and not gone but because we've seen this process of him learning to trust himself he he goes and that ends up being a great decision in, in the end he can also do kind of what he was in the rebellion in the first place to do, which is like bring down the empire, him helping to steal the desperate plans is ultimately the first large victory of the rebellion, which really sets them up as like an actual threat to the empire. Um, And I, and in a movie where trust is such a big theme and the way that, you know, trust can be, used for good and also bad in the way that like you know Galen originally trusted Krennic and he manipulated him but then uh Galen or uh Krennic trusted Galen again and he ended up manipulating him that I think it's important there's an important message in Cassian about learning to trust yourself um above all especially when it comes to doing the right thing and doing what you think is right um and I love that. And I also think too, you know, I love that Cassian is the first character to say rebellions are built on hope. I love that even with everything that he's had to do with all the terrible things, he still very genuinely believes in hope and in the rebellion's ability to take down the empire. Um, I think that's so essential in a character that can come across as very like, serious and kind of like grizzled that you can still see that little bit of a soft side to him in the way that he is just so has that belief and he has that you know he has hope that that things that things will get better that the rebellion can succeed and that he can be a part of that um so I think that is a really lovely element of his character and I think that I don't want to get too into it, but I think it's something that clearly we're going to see maybe grow in Andor because it does not seem like the character at the beginning of Andor is very hopeful about anything. Um, so I'm excited about that. Liv, do you have any thoughts? Listen, listen. <laughs> you guys think about Cassian like 24 seven. <laughs> And I do not. I am so sorry. Nothing I say will sound as smart as you guys. Yeah. (laughs) He's rent free. (laughs) I would would argue maybe too much thinking about Cassie. (laughs) The fact that I have a Twitter like dedicated to him is, uh, I don't even know. How did I get here? (laughs) 
I think that's I a question that none of us can answer. <laughs> I, I did want to add on to what you said, Emily, about the trust thing. That, like, trust goes both ways line really resonates. Mm. It is such mm-hmm. a good line. I think it's one of the best lines in Star Wars, but maybe I'm biased. But <laughs> I don't think that the face that he gives Jin there is, like, a like an angry or, like, a mad face. I think it's, like like a well she's right like trust does go both ways and I think that he realizes and he has a lot of realizing in this movie I think he's going through like a very transitional period of his life a mid uh, end of life crisis (laughs) 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 good life but then I was like he has like three days left to live at this point Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was funny. Okay. I make fun of his dumb <laughs> it's, it's called Copic. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, the trust goes both ways line. He, he like makes people trust him. And like in Tony's work, he was like, he said Cassian seduces people into trusting him. So I, I, I think that with the the like lack of trust that he has for people Jin kind of reminds him that trust does go both ways and they are going to be partners in this situation like co-workers in Pablo's words (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was gonna come up I I was just (laughs) counting down the minutes it has has to come up but but yeah I, I think that trust goes both ways line is like one of the turning points that whole like moment in the ship for him is like a really big turning point for him I think yeah there's also a banging song on the soundtrack by the way so That's true. true yeah I think it's yeah like it, it is so interesting how so much of this movie is about uh you know uh trust when one of the main characters is a spy. Like, it's so, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth Edwards doing it, we're like, we're geniuses with that one, for real. <laughs> uh, any more thoughts on his character arc? Okay, with that, we'll get into some of his uh, relationships. So first, we'll start out with his bestest co-worker. <laughs> his, favorite. So, his favorite co-worker. <laughs> he gave her an extra gift card at the white elephant gift exchange <laughs> so he like true. brought her a drink and like a like a red solo cup and like the christmas party <laughs> it's it's secret santa but the secret santa romantic. that was like his the, weapons <laughs> no i was like no i was, I was gonna say secret santa but like jim and pam's secret yeah, santa from like the like, early season sorry. of the office <laughs> No, I, I remember yeah. I, I texted you I texted you I said if Jim and Cassian are co-workers they're the Jim and Pam of co-workers not to make an office reference in the year of our Lord 2022 but like let's be real here we, we all love the office here I think yes. I love the uh, Ben and Ben and uh uh Ben and Leslie's another good example um, yeah and they're co-workers <laughs> they're co-workers wink wink <laughs> uh but anyone have thoughts Jen and Cassie <laughs> I'm sure we all have a lot of thoughts <laughs> I definitely want to hear Hayden and Lowe's thoughts I'm so interested because we could talk about Jen and Cassian all day but I just want to know what you guys think 
Um, I I watched Rogue One again for the probably third time. Uh, right before celebration, I was doing a run through. Uh, and the line where he says "Welcome home," or it, I believe I've heard um Emily say this a lot. I believe the line is, "I'm not used to people sticking around." Welcome home. I think about that line a lot, and then I also think about that um the screen cap of like him. Is it is he like grabbing her arm or her shoulder or something? And they're just staring into each other's eyes. I think about that a lot. They like and the touch. Look. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, like the in the in the ship, he like the one of them like pats each other's shoulder or something when they were passing. Oh, yeah. and I know in the book, she like literally grabs his arm and says that she's glad that he's here. And they she left that out. Just, she also describes <laughs> what he smells like in the book. <laughs> Isn't he stinky? Like, doesn't he smell like <laughs> dirt? He smells like Edu's dirt and blaster oil. Think the way true. that's cemented in my brain. <laughs> I know. Did, did you get his candle from? Yes. Yeah, I have it. Too. I have the candle and spray too. Yeah, I have the candle and the room spray. <laughs> I have the wax melts, and then I have Jin's room spray. Jin's room spray is very good. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's like it's like Jin, but then like Rebel base. Does that yes. make sense? Ooh, yeah. And it's like it's perfectly I, I describe it's like perfectly feminine without being too like flowery yeah. or sweet. It's like it, and, it, it has, <laughs> and it has, since we're on the topic of gin and Cassian, it yeah. has the two ingredients that are used in Cassian's candle. Ooh-hoo-hoo. And I was like, we saw what you did there. <laughs> Real co-worker vibes. I know. <laughs> I was like, why does said co-workers only. <laughs> like, why does gin smell a little bit like Cassie? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I think, well, obviously, I think one of my favorite scenes of theirs is the hug at the end, not to get into the ending. But I remember watching Rogue One for the first time. I wasn't really paying attention to the movie because I was doing something else, unfortunately. But I think the one time when I looked up and I saw them like on the beach, I was like, oh, they they are not getting out of this. This is not a Star Wars movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I looked up, I saw that the, like they were not getting out of this. And then I saw them like look at each other and then hug each other. I, I think about that a lot. And especially like what you've been saying with like about how Cassian's whole arc is about him learning to trust other people and be having a difficult time, especially with Jin. Um, and then them hugging at the end is like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the emoji with like the red face and the hands, like, <laughs> like grabbing out that that's how I feel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that, that is my um, humble opinion on Jin Cassian. It's a good opinion. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I definitely don't think that they're co-workers. Right off the bat. I also think about the beach scene a lot. A lot. And like even if they didn't intend for it to be romantic, which I think they did. I really think they did. But Diego Just, and Felicity did. <laughs> I yeah, don't care when anybody does their interview. Yeah. Say that they did. But just the way that they—they've both been so 
through so much and at the end they're there for each other they have someone to be with thank you (laughs) after they both thought that they were going to be alone forever it's Mm -hmm. just it's perfect yeah she literally (laughs) thinks that she's going to die alone without anybody knowing her real name and instead she dies with not alone and with someone who knows who she truly is and I Mm -hmm. will never be over that (laughs) But the so way that beautiful. the way that he says your father would be proud, I that's that is when I start like sobbing hysterically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that, that is why. Is so beautiful. Yeah. Or even like when she says like when he asked, "Do you think anybody is out there listening?" and she said, "Yes," because I think some people are like, "Well, why didn't Jin say anything nice about Cassie?" And after she said your your father would be so proud, I was like, "Because his was." there is someone out there listening because yeah. that's what's important to him is like yeah. that mm. made a difference. Uh, he made a difference he accomplished the good he he helped in the end he dedicated so much time to rebellion and it made the difference that is what is essential to him and he dies knowing that he helped the cause yeah uh words mm. <laughs> i'm in your walls <laughs> um that I, Rogue I think, One re-release is gonna hit so different. I know. I, I haven't. Know. I haven't watched. <laughs> I just remembered. So Devastated. <laughs> no, after to have all of that noise and like all of these random places have screenings, and for you, the biggest Rogue One stand I know, to not have a screening near you—that is like God playing a joke on you. I am so I, sorry. <laughs> Literally today, I looked up. I was like, I finally got to like a place where it's like, look up IBEX theaters near that wasn't just Fandango, and it was like a hundred miles, a hundred miles, hundred fifty miles. And I was like, I mean, okay, then it was like a four-hour drive. <laughs> I can't like. I was imagining me like driving to go get you. She's only three hours. She's only three hours away, and I'm like driving all the way back, and then like driving you back again, <laughs> back again. I, I was mean, like. It would be worth it. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is technically would, just like an Orlando trip away. Be, I feel That's bad true. though because my sister is also a huge Rogue One stan, like massive, and like Cassian stan, and we were gonna oh. try to see it together, and now it's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> the phone, like to my chest. Facetiming you. I was like, somebody just needs to film whatever Andor shit they were. No, I was, I was literally gonna text you. Like, do you want me to film it for you? I, I, I think I will. So, I was like, I'm sure I they might you. release it because I figured that they're not gonna assume that nobody's gonna like post it online. But yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll wait for like all the. I think it's going to like Monday or Tuesday. For yeah. me, yeah. I still have showings on Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Wow, actually. really? That's like a whole mm-hmm. week. Crazy. Um, I think- anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I going back to Jin and Cassian. Um, <laughs> there was a specific press release or interview that was released. It was super early on. I think it was the Vanity Fair. It was like the first look we got at what Andor Cassian would look like. I remember it was like five o'clock in the morning, and I thought I was dreaming when I opened the phone. <laughs> um, but Tony described Cassian exactly how Jin is described and that was like I was Squidward giving I was like this is literally Jin he what did he say he said like lost it was like um, lost angry and hopeless or something and I was, and I was like, like hmm, that sounds very familiar <laughs> but I think 
and Diego and Fel have both said this where they are mirrors of each other and I think that that means a lot of things I I think that when like when Diego when Cassian sees Jin he sees like a previous version of himself in a way like I, I we haven't met Endor Cassian but we've seen like bits and pieces of him more in the clip now and I think that that clip kind of really reminded me of Rebel Rising Jin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I think that when Jin comes into Cassian's life, and I, I always think this with them, but I think that they were a huge like what if for each other. And I think that they knew on Scarif, like on the beach, that they knew that they there could have been something. Like I and I think that. I definitely think that the elevator scene had a kiss in it. I really do. And I and it's not me being delusional, but you could see it is. You could see Jin's fingers like in the like nape of his neck and it wasn't there in like the shot before. I feel like I've like analyzed that scene so many times. <laughs> it's so bad. That's- but that's your Lando's closet scene. <laughs> Literally. Really? <laughs> that's like I, that's in the in the star in the world of Star Wars uh standalone movies. That's like the depressing mirror of the Lando's yeah, closet. No. We have the two extremes, the horny and the depressed. <laughs> also, when Jin first sees Cassian, she says, I think you were the one that told me this, Emily. She says that he reminds her of someone and that someone was Hatter, which was her first love. And if I'm not wrong, doesn't Hatter, like, don't they talk about like having kids or, or like, I can't remember. It's been a while. I don't remember, but they like most definitely, I mean, like, it's a very, you are my future kind of vibe. Like he basically is like, oh, I won't join the rebellion if you don't want me to, because I'd rather be with you. Yeah, and then the scene where they're taking off and and she it's like in I it's Itald, but uh she's like I want the stars in the universe and you. Yeah, I thought that yeah. that was so I was like Jin Urso is is a mushy girl. <laughs> okay, I I think I need to pick up Rebel Rising soon. You do. Yeah, <laughs> you do. <laughs> I have it. I have the hardcover. I forgot to po- I forgot to post about it, but I came in. It is currently on my shelf. Yes, it's super good, and you can and- finish most wanted first though, because that's also very good. Well, <laughs> true. <laughs> I also think of like the Jin Cassian parallels, where she was alone traveling, and then like he was alone in the rebellion, like probably at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like with with Tokodana, I never know if I pronounce that correctly. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I don't know. I I don't want to go too much into Jin Kazin because it could be like a six hour conversation and I won't let that happen. No. But but we yeah, will. I think <laughs> I think I've said everything on Twitter probably, but they are like perfect parallels of each other. And I think yeah. that they are the big like what if question in each other's mind. They don't realize it at first, but they do definitely realize it like towards the end of their stories. Yeah. And I think. I think that they both make each other a better person. Like they bring out the the best of each other. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think some people sometimes talk about like, oh, people never want to separate Jin and Cassian, but like it's so hard to because the film like specifically builds them as foils to each other. Their yeah. arcs are so reliant on each other in that 
being together is what makes both of them change. Like clearly there's other outside sources, like the fact that like, you know, Jin interacts with Saw again and sees her father die. And, you know, Cassian is also experiencing some stuff with like the rebellion. And I think also like even seeing like someone like Bodhi defect um, impacts him uh, and also seeing like Chirin and Bees lose their home. But, and I guess Bodhi too, I forget that he's from Jeddah. Um, Local but I like I think it's so hard because they're and I and that's what I find really beautiful is I think I love when you can see how characters impact each other and it's so clear how Jin and Cassian impact each other that like you know Jin directly says rebellions are built on hope in her speech to the rebel council and I think that's like the biggest indication to Cassian that uh that she has changed just in the way that then Cassian's is when he says, you know, I'll go with you to Scarif. Um, mm-hmm. Like that was their biggest complaint. Jin, all of us have lost something. Some of us just decided to do something about it. She decides to do something about it. Following orders without, or question, how did, like, how does that make you any better than a stormtrooper? He directly uh, disobeys orders to do what he thinks is right. Um, and yeah, I also say a lot, I love that. And I think we can get into it later, but I think it's very clear to me that they're extending this foil very intentionally because it seems like from what we know about Andor, they're hitting on so many of the points that they did for Rebel Rising with Jin. They're getting a older male rebel mentor. They have an adopted parent that it seems like they may or may not lose. They have a a love interest that they had when they were young. All of this stuff that I think really, and even like Cassian's um, kind of activities before and uh, before, like, or before he joins the rebellion, kind of seemed to be a mirror of what Jin was doing, kind of after uh, her and Saw split. Um, so I think that's very intentional in continuing to like build out their parallel, which I think adds more impact than exactly what Savi was saying. Like this idea that they see so much of each other. Like I think when we talk about you know like Cassie and seeing kind of almost the worst parts of himself in Jin when he was angry and hopeless and didn't care about anything really but himself and didn't really care maybe what the empire was doing because like as long as you don't look up it's not a problem and then I think Jin kind of sees almost what was the ideal version or what she even would have become say had she stuck with Saw which is like this soldier who who follows orders who is very committed to the cause but also like maybe she kind of sees how that could uh, be a detriment, like, you know, just following orders without thinking um, how I feel like she might've been with Saw because especially given how like trusting she was of him. um, I think that's so interesting. And I, yeah, I truly just love that. Like, you know, you have Jin who, my favorite thing is they see the worst in each other and they decide to stay. Like Jin literally says in the novelization that like Chirrut, Baze, Bodhi, and Cassian have seen her at her lowest point at her worst and they mm-hmm. still want to be by her. They still choose to trust her and follow her. And I think that kind of same goes with Cassian. Like Jin has seen him at his worst and she still chooses to trust him and to believe that he will help her. And I think that's really kind of beautiful. I always really like 
relationships where that's the case. Um, and I think that romantically, I think when we're talking about them romantic, I think it's really beautiful if you think about the fact that Jin specifically, her boyfriend died and it seems like clearly something happens with Bix and Cassian <laughs> that they split up, that there is something really beautiful about them meeting each other and this potential of as they're learning to trust people again, also opening themselves up to the possibility of a romantic relationship again, of trusting and seeing someone in that way and having someone who is attracted to them and can make them feel wanted is really, is really beautiful. And I think that to me is like kind of what's happening. Like you said, in the elevator scene, it's like, they're really realizing that like, what if, like, if we got off scare, if this could be something that we could explore, we could be friends and, and maybe more, uh, but we'll just never get that chance. And it's sad, but it's yeah. also like, you know, bittersweet, beautiful. Um, going to like the parallels again, I just remembered this, but it, it's like rumored, but it's it's probably true. But uh, Cassian's name before he was Cassian was Kassa, uh, K-A-S-S-A. Um, and he changed it, I'm assuming, when he moved to Ferrix, but uh, casa in Spanish is home. Uh, so welcome home. And I feel like that that was definitely done purposely. And uh-huh. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I, I know, obviously, like Spanish doesn't exist in Star Wars, but like, no, <laughs> when we get to like the scene where he says welcome home, I just I can't help but think like his name is Casa. Yeah. Like, it, like, go ahead. Well, it's like how uh, Bodhi needs awakening in yeah um, I, I forget what language but like so it's like clearly there is some intention in that yes. <laughs> I would assume but yeah I did not I, just, I did not think about that yeah I am yeah. so excited to I need Diego to confirm that for me <laughs> yeah but like I think or I just think it's so I don't know I also think they're so lovely about someone who clearly Cassian knows a lot about trying to find a home and losing a home so knowing that that's exactly what Jin needs to hear and exactly what Jin needs in that moment is that's why that like that's part of why I love that quote so much is just knowing like Cassie and knowing like this is what she needs to hear because I think that that is what he would want to hear um and I'm wondering too if it's something that like once again I don't want to get too far into like our and our speculations but like you know in the same way that like he says rebellions are built on like what if that's something that his adopted mother says to him or yeah. even something that Luthen oh says to God. or Mon Mothma says to him when joining the rebellion like so like in this way that like too it's it's mirroring yeah that. it's super poignant it's it's all connected and I love that about it Pepe yes. Sylvia just no seriously <laughs> <laughs> we're and I'm convinced because Tony Heroi like, Tony Heroi can play at like you know I'm not doing fan service but I do believe that band cares uh, but I know that man cares very deeply about Rogue One in particular which is why I think that there's possibilities of more connections to Rebel Rising because I think even if he hasn't read it I think he cares enough about continuing because I mean he wrote Rogue One he clearly cares yeah. about Jim and Cassie <laughs> enough about continuing some of those parallels he, uh, he, he was the screenwriter? Yeah. He, he worked not, on Rogue I did not One. know that. I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny when people were like, oh my God, it's so good that he's working on it because like he did the board identity. He's such good at spy thrill. And I was like, 
why is everyone acting like that's the qualification when he worked on Rogue One and he directed like I think he did a lot of the reshoots he so did. Like, why? I was like that is that's my qualification where I was like oh this man cares about Cassian <laughs> yeah especially yeah. since he like wrote the elevator scene and like the hug oh, he did? And, okay. he, and, and I think uh it's said that the Cassian's intro scene was a part of reshoots so it was ah. probably something that like Tony in particular was in yeah. charge of. Uh-huh. Okay, that makes me even more excited for the show now. <laughs> I won't get I won't get too much into this, but I thought that this was I thought that this was cute. But he got like the script for what was supposed to be Endor before him, and it was supposed to be a K two and Cassian show, like like a spy thing, which would have been cute. But he was like. He like called Kathleen Kennedy, I think, and he was like, "So what's this?" <laughs> and she was like, "Well, it's you know this idea that we have." And he was like, "Well, I don't want to do it. This is this is very like Good for him. This is like very like shortened." Um, but then he said he wrote like a manifesto. <laughs> he like wrote. I've like, heard about oh, this a yeah. this mythical Cassian manifesto. <laughs> he like wrote this whole thing, and then he calls Lucasfilm the Vatican. So he sent it. <laughs> he sent it to the Vatican, and he was like, "This is what I have in mind." And Kathleen Kennedy was like, "Okay, well, we'll do it." And then he was like, "Okay," <laughs> but. I think that they like trust him with Cassian. So it, it's it's nice to see that like the folks at the Vatican also trust him. <laughs> well, I think like I'm wondering too, I wonder how much of like him changing the direction of so is also why they would have like besides the fact that Donald Glover has also written stuff, but like also part of the fact why they would want someone like Donald Glover more heavily involved in like something like yeah. Lando, because there is like maybe they see something and like having especially with like maybe the characters who are like Din's a little different because they're creating him out of scratch but like having these actors kind of guide where their characters are going especially when they're particularly invested in them like Diego is with Cassian when he said that nobody cared about Cassian I swear I felt like my heart audibly crack all of Andor (laughs) Twitter that day was like we care I was like sir I was like sir clearly you have not seen the Cassian Andor sim tag, which I created on TikTok. <laughs> um, News Andor actually, News Andor actually got to DM Diego and let him know that um, that we do care and we like, do that, care. and he, that we do like we're, we can't wait to see his character. And he was like, yeah. "I know, I'm so excited for you guys to see it all too." And we were like, "Diego knows we care." I was like if anything I hope celebration showed us that we that people cared like <laughs> I know it was so it was such a joy seeing his face when we were at celebration in the audience and we're yeah, getting so far off track so I feel so bad like he no, looked so this, this is the podcast episode. for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was so happy and you could like tell that he was like overwhelmed by it I think he like hasn't been in like Star Wars for a while I guess so you could like see on his face that he was like oh my god well and and then I especially when you consider like he's oh no 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 that he's like up there with like you because it's like if you think about it he's he's probably thinking oh well this is the same year that like you and Hayden are coming back so like yeah maybe he's just not really thinking that as many people are gonna be super hyped but 
we are we are yeah that audience was crazy I remember and then I'll never forget when Jen came out for the Lucasfilm showcase panel and they asked her a question and I don't know if you guys remember this but when she was like hello (laughs) and everyone just started clapping because it's Mon Mothma it's Mon Mothma (laughs) Jen's a perfect Mon Mothma. I know we only got like no, a- for real. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited I, to see her. I cannot wait to see her slays, her character, her like, I know there's going to be husband. like- There's going to be like shit talking. There's going to be shit talking in the Imperial Senate. And I cannot I'm wait to so see excited. those like- I cannot wait. <laughs> like I'm, I'm rubbing my hands together maliciously. Like I cannot wait to see this. Another thing about Andor is that I'm so excited to see the freaking Imperial Senate. I don't know why, but we've like never seen this before ever in Star Wars. Maybe in Legends, but like in canon, absolutely not. Or also- we may have- we may have gotten it a little bit in Leia Prince of Alderaan, but I'll, I'll yeah. let you keep talking. There's they also said that there. they they said that they didn't use the volume. Yeah. No, so how did they film those like Senate scenes? I don't, I don't know. know if they think- didn't use it or if they only I think they didn't use it as much. Like I think a lot of it was the on set stuff, but they probably did for they probably they probably used it or I, for the uh, I was like, I guess either that or like whatever they use. I don't know if they use volume for the prequels. But at least no, they did in the prequels. <laughs> it looked it looked good in the prequels. That's I think it was. I think um, the prequels were um, practical sets, and then they CGI'd oh. the rest of them in. Hmm. So like they still built like little circle things. Yeah. So maybe and they, they uh, maybe they still had those around. They were like, yeah. oh shit. I mean, maybe in a sound <laughs> stage somewhere. Skywalker <laughs> Ranch was like, you want these? <laughs> George Lucas is like, let me show you to all. <laughs> Um, it's his I imperial did. setup that he's built in his basement. <laughs> <laughs> he's like hiding the memorabilia. <laughs> um, I did hear, I might be taking this quote out of context, but I don't think I am. I did hear that Jen did have a say in the costume design for Mon. No, yeah, I think way. they just quoted okay. that. Yeah, I I I I, <laughs> I, I I quote I quoted it and then I posted who the who the costume designer is and he has worked on an insane amount of films. He's an Oscar winner, I think. Yeah, he. I'm is, so excited. Yeah, <laughs> like it was He's, like American Hustle or something, and yeah, ooh, Sucker Punch. Ooh. He did no, a ton of shit. way. Okay, he did the DCEU costumes. So he's done. Wait, like, did he do Birds of Prey? If he did Birds Bro- of Prey. I think Birds of Prey might have been a female wardrobe oh. person. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Prey I'll have to look into it. He did Joy, that movie with Jennifer Lawrence. He's done like some crazy great. Like he, his range is insane. Like I okay. love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm hyped. Especially now that we get to see, we get to see not even on Mothma's outfits. We get to see like all the fancy Imperial Senate outfits, which I am I so know. excited for. But we oh, are so, so good. <laughs> even even so Lucan is kind of serving some fits. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Lucan <laughs> in the clip. I was like, no, that was he's a serving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next we have K2 uh, for his relationships, who is as Diego has said like multiple times I think at this point that like K2 was Cassian's like at that point only and best friend 
which is um, which is Sergeant Melshi Erasure because everywhere <laughs> else has that Melshi is his best friend and they can't take that away from me and they won't and they won't take them. I don't know who that I don't, is. <laughs> I don't see a beach scene hug with Tay Two and Cassian, but I see one with Melshi and Cassian. So that's how I feel on the matter. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> I do think it's interesting when we're like talking about trust or like Cassian not really trusting other people that basically like the only person he does trust is someone who is Melchie. not human. Oh, yes. sorry. Melshi. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Speak, Caden. <laughs> <laughs> but like someone who is who is not human and I wonder if that kind of goes back to like when he's talking about the terrible things and like basically I think in the book K2 basically describes the point where like Cassie was kind of trigger warning basically considering suicide after like a oh, mission yeah, yeah and K2 like describes wide. that um or at least like he was like crying like uh and I think it's like kind of interesting when you have like the fact that like the one person, and it's not just a droid, it's a reprogrammed Imperial droid. A reprogrammed Imperial droid who we know from now some other stuff is was like droids who like were involved in the destruction of planets. And I know they're in Jedi Fallen Order, but I don't, I haven't played that, so I don't really know <laughs> what they all do there. But I know like the Siege of Mandalore. that they beat the shit out of cow. <laughs> yes, it's so funny and then you can reprogram them with bd with bd1 but honestly it just it just takes way too long i had this headcanon that cal was the one that gave cassie and k i thought it would make um, sense but then that comic came out and then i was like i pretend i do not see <laughs> i do not see i feel like they're gonna write comic Comic I anyway. hope so. I, um, I, know. Okay. I, know. I hate that comic. I'm coming out as a hater. <laughs> okay. I I will say that I I really don't like retcons, and I don't think it's the best way that they could have introduced them, although I do think it was kind of funny. Um, I think is I think what happened is I just think that they didn't think that Cassian was gonna really show up in any or like I think at that point, like they were like maybe not really yeah. sure where Cassian if yeah. he was gonna show up again. So they're like, we'll just do that. And yeah. then Tony was like, oh no, I want and I think that's maybe too why originally the show was K2 and Cassian, where the, they were gonna start off after, and then yeah. clearly there was like things shifted. Um mm. I think mm. that they could still keep the basics, but I think most likely if we see them reprogram, I just feel like they're gonna change it to like fit it into the show. So like it'll be a mission. Yeah that is in the show and like maybe the characters he's with will change um mm-hmm. yeah but I feel like it might be the kind of I wouldn't mind the same basic premise of like they fight <laughs> and then like yeah, yeah. or like he's on a mission him. he's on a mission they run into cat into they run into each other and they have to reprogram him um yeah. but I the think one Cassian thing- specifically reprogramming him is still very important yeah. like Cassian being yeah. the one to do it mm-hmm. is essential yeah I think that that's super um important to their friendship as well Absolutely. I think yeah mm-hmm. I think that, K- that that go ahead and Kay's specific loyalty to Cassie and to the point yeah. where like it's like I know he jokes but, or like it's like jokes like oh if they leave without him Cassie and I are gonna leave without them if they're not back but also like the fact <laughs> that like Kay's last thought is about Cassian living it's it's hoping yeah. that he gets to live and that making Kay happy is yeah. like so important and I yeah I just think like it's so sad kind of when you think about like oh like that's Kay's only or like Cassian's only friend but like clearly 
their relationship isn't one that's like one-sided it's very clear that like k2 cares for cassian very deeply uh to the point where it's like he almost only really cares about him (laughs) yeah i think their friendship i feel like i don't have a lot to say about cassian and k2 i think because it's super surface level like there's obviously a lot of trust there and there's an obvious friendship and in a way like an obvious history like k is reprogrammed by cassian but I think I almost want to hold my thoughts and like how I feel about their friendship for season two of Andor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do like them. I think they're like a cute dynamic duo. Yeah. And I think it helps that Alan and Diego have like a really clear chemistry that like really shines in yeah. that. Um, I just want to briefly, if we have any thoughts on like the other Rogue One crew members, I know he doesn't interact with them as much but I have one thing to say on cheer it but I'll let anybody else if you have something to say I I wanted more Bodhi and Cassian scenes I don't know I think they're I think they're pretty swag pretty cool you get a very you get a very brief scene of them in the novelization and Bodhi makes Cassian laugh (gasps) oh okay so just another thing to add to my TBR. <laughs> yeah, if you're interested in that, it does have that. I think it's cute. I think that Bodhi and, and I feel badly because I, I don't know. I feel like Bodhi wouldn't have trusted Cassian. And I think that, that if they would have survived afterwards, then like, quote unquote, like Cassian that has learned to trust would, or like the grown Cassian, I guess, could have like healed that relationship like that would have been like an interesting thing to see like mend a relationship when he was at his worst that like formed at that point if that makes sense mm-hmm. um I think I feel similarly about Bodhi and Cassian that I do about K2 and Cassian it I felt like there just wasn't enough does that make sense like yeah I yeah. love both characters individually but yeah I do wish I, I do hope that we get Bodhi in season two yeah, I hope the one thing I do, uh, and we've talked about this, but I think like if they had lived, I think too, a thing that really would have connected Bodhi and Cassian is uh, Jin. Um, and the fact I that so I think, I think mm-hmm. you know, clearly Jin, but also I think Jin and Bodhi probably would have been pretty good friends um, based on the fact that, you know, Bodhi knew Galen. Also, I think this idea that they're both kind of new to the rebellion and might be kind of seen as outsiders based on like what they've done in their past um, and that connecting them and then you know, that being a bridge between Bodhi and Cassian. I know that Shira and Cassian don't really interact, but I think that it's really interesting when viewing Bo, uh, Baze and Chirrut as a mirror to Cassian and Jin, where you have one of them who is still very hopeful, has faith and trust in the system for uh, Chira, it's the wills for Cassian, it's the rebellion, and are, you know, still still fighting and still believing and then you have the their partner who is angry who is hopeless who you know they both had they've all had every the empire basically take everything from them but for one person it kind of pushes them into their faith and hope more while the other it pushes them further away from it and the fact though that Shira and Baze are an example of what a relationship can be when there is complete trust. The fact that they always have each other's back, they basically always know each other's move. And throughout the film, 
Jin and Cassian have to kind of like build to that trust. And by the end, we kind of see that, like, I think, especially in um, when they're going to get the plans, like you see that, uh, that trust and how they can work together when they're a team. Um, and I've always really loved that. Uh, and I think it's really interesting to consider because I think that's something that maybe not a lot of people see, but it's kind of been clear to me. Um, and then also like it works out because then Bodhi and K2 are like kind of the parallels and mirrors to each other to kind of complete like the the rebellion three and then like the Jetta three. Yeah. I, I won't I, I'll save this for that when we talk about Andor, but I am excited to see like how Andor like makes Melshi and Cassian's relationship deeper again like surface level um where like Melshi is the first one Cassian goes to to ask him to join him on this mission to Scarif and he's like so quick to agree and it says like in a lot of books like in the like the visual guide I think that Melshi is like one of Cassian's closest friends if not the closest friend but yeah, I, I definitely like want to see that explored more, especially, yeah, yeah especially because of that hug scene. <laughs> yeah, and I'm curious too if, if Melshi is someone who like where he kind of comes from, like as far as like a fighter, like if he is someone who's a part of like Mon Mothma cell if he was maybe a yeah. part of a separate cell that kind of got pulled in if it, I don't know like even like because we know so little that of like even if he was someone who maybe like was kind of working with Saw and then got pulled into the larger rebellion like there's a lot he, to be yeah. he it's rumored on his like Wikipedia or Wikipedia sorry uh that he was special forces Ooh. um I don't I don't Pathfinder think... as in <laughs> I'm not I I'm not this is I, how I went sorry <laughs> Mel, Mel, I feel like Melshi is going to be one of the more interesting characters and I know that he's just a glove shadow right now but I, I think that he's going to be really lovable in Endor and I'm not saying that because I'm biased yes I am <laughs> he's like a, but he's like a glove shadow but like we know he's gonna be there he just hasn't yeah. been like confirmed confirmed but we know those step photos we know that it's him well it, it is confirmed his uh his uh, he has this website that leads to his agency and i've stopped oh, his agency. i've stopped duncan and I'm, if he is if he happens to be listening to this i'm so sorry please block me on your instagram so i can stop <laughs> stalking you duncan but he was at pinewood and he was there for at least seven months yeah. This is what Here's I remember. I remember uh, Julia was stalking Kyle's agency for a very similar reason <laughs> of like seeing if there are any updates on like his character name on their website for me. Yeah. But it, it says on Duncan's agency that he is a reoccurring character, Melshi. But he's listed as Sergeant Melshi. He's not listed as like Bruce Scott Melshi. He's listed already as a sergeant. So I do wonder if that means that he is part of like the growing rebellion. Yeah. Um, and then just real quickly, uh, we might get into this more, but we have uh, Draven and Mon Mothma, who kind of seem to be Cassian's kind of main upper things. The only thing that I think is interesting is originally it seemed like the information I know uh, that the information that we had before Andor was that Draven was the one who recruited Cassian into the rebellion. That's what um, I remember too. 
clearly that has shifted because <laughs> he is nowhere to be found in Andor so far. Um, yeah. But I think that's interesting to have him. And I also think that it's funny maybe how similar him and Cassian seem, um, especially because they both kind of like, I remember in the novelization, Cassian has this line where it's like, oh, Mon Mothma is an idealist, but that, and that's why he kind of originally goes along with killing Galen is because while he likes Mon Mothma and he trusts her, he is like Davin, Draven, he is not an idealist. He kind of believes in the dirty work. Um, and I think that that could be interesting too if he is potentially in another season and maybe see Draven almost be the one pushing Cassian yeah. um, as this kind of like, you know, we need to do these and like, you have to be the one to do it because like, especially like when we think about particular working on under Mon Mothma, like she needs to be seen as this like leader, I think. And especially when like, you're trying to form a rebellion, like this almost like perfect leader, because to get people to believe in you, you want to seem very good. So like yeah. she has to stay clean. So we have to do the dirty work. Yeah. There's this really interesting part of Rebel Files. It's a, it's a, I don't remember the comic, but you guys probably know Han rescues, uh, Emat? Do you guys know that one? I think Doesn't... it might be from 2015 because I know Draven is in 2015 and I think he dies in 2015 actually. He gets strangled or... by Vader. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I won't say deserved, but... Um... Uh, but yeah, there's like <laughs> this whole... There's this whole mission. Okay, so in, in Rebel Files, there's... You know how they like write notes and stuff? Well, there's like... Oh, that Emet. little source book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there's the, there's, and I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, but e, there's like Emat's file or something and he needs to be rescued, which is later a comic and I read it, but it's Han that's rescuing him. And, um, Draven said that this is, it's just so weird that it's from Draven to me, but he says that yeah. Cassian, Cassian would have been the perfect person for this mission. Okay, I think that's definitely from the arc I'm thinking of. So I think the arc yeah. that this is from is like, I think it's Hope Dies, which is the 50th uh, issue special where like um, the Empire gets all of the rebellion in like one place and then they, it like, they infiltrate the rebellion and then they start killing off ships and then there's stuff that happens. But I, I know for a fact Draven is in this arc. I need to reread 2015 again. But I think I know to what you are referring. I know <laughs> yeah. from reading Wikipedia pages, because uh, I'm an insane person who <laughs> read <laughs> Gina Urso's Wikipedia too much, that like basically, like he he's with Leia right before his death. And he basically is talking about how like he has always been kind of resentful because Jin got to be the hero while he got to be the one who was wrong. Yeah. That is Hope I, Dies, which- feelings about that yeah <laughs> that's this is not the episode for that <laughs> but but yeah I, I think that comment that he makes is definitely interesting and to see because he like makes Cassian I'm assuming that he makes Cassian like do all of these missions and this is another thing that I think about a lot but Cassian doesn't um debate Draven on the tarmac 
Like he just yeah. nods his head and walks away. And I think that there's like a huge level of like power complex, like not only because of the difference in ranks, but I think that Draven knows that he kind of has uh, a over him on a string. Yeah. yeah. So I think the actor's name is Alistair uh, Draven. Yeah. He did a say, fancy name. yeah, he did say to have hope for Draven to come back. So I'm assuming hope. that he- I know. Okay. I'm like, Dragon is the last person. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there is like, it, it, he could come back. I literally don't believe anything at this point. But but yeah, I I don't know. Dragon's a really interesting character that I think I'd like to see more of. Yeah, because I was initially really surprised that he was not announced with uh, coming back when they announced the Andor cast. And then uh, for a while, I just kind of assumed that it was like, forest where they were like he's gonna be in here but like we're just keeping him a secret but then then the the more we get into this I'm like I don't think he's gonna be in season one it doesn't make sense but I think it has to be in season two because he was very connected to the Death Star mission and like sending Cassian so I'm thinking he at least has to be in like potentially the last like three episodes um, that lead into Rogue One but yeah, I'd like to see more of him too. And I'd like to see more of his relationship with Mon Mothma. Uh, I think that's kind of interesting. Oh, you yeah. do you do get a really like small hint of it in the novelization where they're talking about Jin. Yeah. Do you remember that meeting? Yeah. And like they talk about it in they like talk to each other in Rebel Files. And it seems it's interesting because it seems like once again, like he clearly has a lot of respect for her and, and he seems to work very closely, like un her but like he clearly has a lot of disagreements with her like he is she is much more like people can be forgiven and can change and he's like no which also (laughs) makes it interesting if he's head of rebel intelligence and Callus is in there I have yeah. a, that's that's a whole if Callus is in season two I definitely would like to see that like dissected that would be so cool like Mon Mothma Pathfinder Callus sorry I had to say that <laughs> like Mon Mothma Callus Draven and Cassian would be a super interesting like oh yeah set to see and then if they stick with like the fulcrum thing with Ahsoka I think that would also be interesting to see that like top outside tier but i don't know mm-hmm. we'll see yeah uh so getting in to andor uh first we've talked a little bit about it already but uh come on talk about just like cassian's character a little bit of like what we know and then kind of what we think might happen and then we can get into kind of the relationships and new characters at least just in relation well, I don't know. I will keep it just in relationship uh, to to Cassian because we might have other thoughts. But I did try to keep it more to the ones that were like kind of directly related to him thus far. Um, so thoughts, thoughts, theories, ideas. <laughs> Homeboy is gonna I'm... get fucked up somehow. <laughs> he's, I'm sorry. He's he's gonna go through it. But we literally saw him crying. <laughs> we yeah, have a picture it's... of him crying. <laughs> and then he's we, gonna go we... through it. We have that concept art of him crashing in that, in that A, I don't want to say it. I don't want to be wrong. I'm wrong all the time (laughs) on this show. (laughs) So, but yeah, he's like crashing. And then that, that scene with Luthen that was just released was like the calm before the storm because the whole like Lego set 
the ambush on barracks and then the scene in the trailer of him getting shot at is that entire i have it too <laughs> is, is that like for the, entire... for the listeners emily is showing the andor set with kyle luthan kyle. and cassian <laughs> And Lucy and Cassie are, are a little too far from me, but I have Kyle in a silly little head. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I the little hint that we got of Cassian's character just like proved that what Diego said that it's like he's like nothing like Rogue One Cassian, and it's I was kind of like shell shocked. I was like, this is not Cassian, and not my Cassian. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was so cool though because the obvious character development that happens is literally it, it's like instrumental it's crazy it's gonna be but delicious what i thought was watch. so cool is like despite the fact that like it he is so different it's so funny to like see that kind of the same principle guides yeah. him in like rogue one of like this idea yeah. like to steal from the empire you just walk in like you belong and then we see like him do that in yes the, in Rogue One in, in Rogue the... One, and also Jin makes a comment when he puts on the Imperial uniform how it looks like he's worn it's that perfect. before. Yeah. I remember. And knowing, but that what's so interesting is knowing now that that's not even he hasn't even just worn it in the context of the rebellion, but like for like his own game, and like clearly he has some sort of like. I'm interested in what he is doing because I'm guessing part of the reason why. Uh, how do you say your name? His mother? Marva. Marva is so upset with him is possibly how he seems to be like making money, which is like stealing yeah. and like Oh my god, paying... the Ezrification of Cassian! Truly. <laughs> like well, I, it always seems like he's running like a black market thing because like it's clear yeah. that he has stolen something for Luthen. Good for but him. But it seems like he's done that, he's done that repeatedly. Luthen does Luthen. say. Yeah, Luthen does say that he knows Cassian's tactics where he's like, Bix has her game. And then he like, like Cassian has like a thing, like a whole system down, which is crazy. <laughs> he yeah. said that he like, he like waits. Ferrix is a scrapyard planet, kind of like Bracca, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, Tony said that everybody on that planet is like a mechanic or some of some sort. So I'm assuming it's like going to be similar to like the guild on on Braca, but like uh he said that like Cassian waits for like he like he bribes the Imperials to leave the valuables on the ship so he can get mm. them yeah so that's what I'm assuming his but uh I was gonna say something about that I, I think it had to do with uh oh like with walking in like you belong like how the the with Thane and Lost Stars, I think he has to like shave and stuff. So it was, Cassian didn't cut his hair or shave. Like he just walked in there like he belonged. So I think that that like also ties into that quote because he was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this for that. Or I'm just going to walk in and like pull my, hold my chin up high. And he's such an interesting guy. The I more, more I like him. <laughs> the more I hear about you guys talk about the show, the more excited I get, and the better I think the show is gonna be. Like I, I seriously think this is gonna be like top five favorite Star Wars projects. Like I'm very excited to see what the show will do. Uh, they did also. I think I messaged you guys, but they they filmed some scenes in Andor where they filmed solo. They use like a yeah, similar I think- set. 
Yeah. I mean, Mud Troopers. <laughs> We've already talked about Mud Troopers on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying. I love I, me some Mud Troopers. I do think, like, I, I, don't, I don't like it when people compare Cassian to Han Solo. However, this Andor Cassian does seem to a little bit be in this, like, Han Solo scoundrel era. He's, no, he's <laughs> in his scrum rat era. I cannot I'm so wait. I'm excited. <laughs> This is from ratification of Cassian Andor. Like, we can get into it, but the, I feel I feel the big Cassian Han Kira parallels coming. Oh my I god! Really I said it. I said Jin Cassian is to Han Leia as Bix Cassian is to Han Kira. I'm so excited Damn. to see it. I definitely think that Bix is gonna have her Kira moment, and she's gonna leave, and then we're gonna get yes. our own comic. <laughs> series about her yeah she I joins crimson dawn <laughs> oh my god I, I i love god. the slow i would love not that i actually want her to join crimson dawn but the idea that like kira is just slowly accumulating random women from different parts of the star wars story like sabe and Bix. i definitely hope that she gets Bix. The girl bossification of Bix. Well, she's already a girl boss, but like <laughs> seeing that with Kira, I think that we would all Squidward give. <laughs> oh no, she's actually showing up in Hidden Empire. She told me herself. <laughs> Bix called Hayden and was like, hey. Like, I'm, throwing I'm her, actually, <laughs> throwing I'm her actually showing up in, in issue two. Charles Keep so, your eyes like, peeled. Charles so <laughs> they knew they were introducing another woman in a standalone project he just like woke up in a cold sweat (laughs) he's like my time is coming oh my god i would pay money to see that (laughs) i am excited the one quote that like has really stuck with me is that they were like the first episode is you meeting all of cassian's friends and they basically all tell him that he's a loser (laughs) I, I was like, he's just like, like me. This whole show is like, everyone hates Cassian. Everyone else is miserable. <laughs> when Deidre does Cassian is miserable. get to be happy? Cyril is miserable. Never. Beast yes. is bad at Cassian. <laughs> he's just like Balance for real. <laughs> kill you. I'm in your walls. <laughs> came up this late in recording. Truly. <laughs> I am really excited, though, to see, like, how all these people are around Cassian, because in the script sheet that released, like, or that was, like, rumored or, or like, retyped or something, they used a code name for Cassian. It was Mundo, and they said that he has a short temper. I'm not quoting it exactly, but then Tony said the same thing. That Cassian is like extremely like explosive. So but that kind of makes sense too. I feel like you can almost see some of that in row one. Like when yeah. it's like when he's with um Bodhi on like the cliffs, like when he yeah. kind of snaps at him, or even like sometimes with K2, yeah, he gets like kind of snippy. So I'm like, yeah, I think I'm wondering if it's like that's something that's more prevalent, and then we see him kind of like rein it in throughout the show. That might be um, it. He's even kind of like when he gets on the stolen transport with with like Jin, like right before the argument, he's like ready. Like his his guns are hot already. <laughs> and I think that like 
that'll be similar to Andor. They've described him as explosive in multiple instances, so I am wondering, like, what that's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, it's so, and I think, like, it's so interesting. Like, I can see how, like, I mean, he's only 21, but, like, I can see definitely how he would have this, like, kind of anger and angst if you're, like, his his original like home planet was destroyed yeah I'm wondering now if it's going to be a thing because when we talked about you know Cassian is bribing Imperials and they're leaving it I'm wondering if the Empire is going to come in and kind of like try to tighten control and that's why we see like um Deidre interacting with Bix and like are you a thief like a fish that that kind of thing and then also potentially how like this is an opportunity for Cyril to kind of move off the ranks they're like we're gonna send you to Ferrix and like depending on how well you do that's how like we'll decide if you should like move up and like it's the same thing like with Deidre's really trying to prove herself on by like taking control of Ferrix and like making it maybe this like ideal kind of empire place and that's also why like Luthen would be moving in and relying on Cassian who has like lived there for a while to potentially help out um well my question is why would the ISB be on Ferrix in the first place could it be because of Luthen and how maybe he's profiting off of this kind of black market that Cassian has made there's this scene in the teaser trailer where that Cyril already has the hologram of a young Cassian and I'm assuming that Cassian like is not I don't want to call it like a little group of rebels but I'm going to call it like a little group of rebels because we see that with the uh with like uh Velsartha that's that's her name I think and then we just learned her name but Cinta and then I'm assuming like those other people there's North one um, which I'm assuming is also a code name. Code name, so yeah. I, I think that he is a part of like this smaller group against the Empire, and I don't think that they're doing any big damage. I just think that they're doing damage to the Imperials that are coming to Ferrix. Yeah. Well, and um, I mean, if you think about it, like I'm wondering if it's almost going to be a similar situation like Lothal. Yes, yeah, so that's kind of like I was thinking of when you were saying that. Yeah, and also we do have to remember that like Luthen went to Saw for fighters. So, yeah. and the empire, like Saw is not hidden from the empire. Saw is someone that the empire knows about. Is especially actively given, tracking. That was actively yeah. tracking. So given this, like if they think that Saw is involved, it would make a lot of sense to send someone like the ISB, especially when like Cal, when you think about like how Callus was hunting the ghost crew in the way that like, I think, we could see like Deidre and uh, Cyril hunting the whatever group of rebels we have here. Kind of the, it seems like it seems like my some like the kind of start of like maybe this is like one of the biggest like kind of starts of the Rebel Alliance kind I of forming so since it seems like we're crossing like Mon Mothma and Luthen and Saw into a group. Yeah, um, I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Me too. I also am interested in them giving Cassian a adopted mother. Um, I'm excited yes. for that too. I think that that will be well, a more trauma for him if something <laughs> bad happens to her. But uh, she will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or B, I 
and B, I think that like Cassian having a mom, um, and also I think that she has a husband. Yeah, no, she mentioned that. Boo. I know. I know. I was for like, gay people. I was like, Cassian could have had two moms. He, <laughs> I was like, he, Luthen is already his dad. We don't need. Yeah. I was no like, more men. <laughs> no more men. Oh my god! Have we finally defeated legends? This uh, no, unfortunately, <laughs> it still exists. But, uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I think it's interesting too how she's like disappointed in Cassie, and like I definitely kind of expected it to be. I'm sure it's a loving relationship because it does seem like she loves her son, but like the fact that like. One of the main things Fiona has said is that she's disappointed and she, he's always in trouble. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like, also, thank God we, I would, I would have been haunted if she like ended up being something totally different. Like, I'm like, wow. So that I am an Andor comment, like actually made sense. Like you were correct. You are. <laughs> I, I was definitely concerned that Cassian wasn't going to have loving parents. I thought that it would be like a pretty negative situation um but to hear that he had marva which by the photos we've seen and like what how they've spoken it sounds like she's a pretty loving mother um and they've only referred to her as as like his mother which is nice like yes she is like his adoptive mother but like she still raised him i'm assuming Mm -hmm. because of the i'm assuming he like is young yeah yeah so she probably is like a huge influence on his childhood like Like, yeah like not to draw but like it's like how Jin was only eight when she was like adopted kind of like adopted by Saw essentially like Cassian probably was only like six um yeah so pretty young so pretty young and yeah and like she seems and it's also interesting because like they said like she's really loving but then like Cyril's mother who is also going to be in the show is like uh, the stage mom from hell so I think that's also really interesting <laughs> that, like, the Kathy that- Lee of Star Wars <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> I love that I and I think it's Julie and I were talking about it but it's so funny that like she would be like some sort of like you need to do better in the empire given that basically how old she was and probably how old Cyril was she would have been born and lived before the empire (laughs) and then she adjusts and she's like my son needs to be the best fascist (laughs) (laughs) that makes that makes me wonder so Marvel was obviously like definitely alive pre-empire so I do wonder like like if they don't retcon the whole Cassian like what's a separatist type thing I I wonder like how that will play out or like what conversations they'll have or because those are clones in the trailer with the with the yeah be kind of interesting if like it's almost like a like a Galen Lyra saw situation where like Cassian's parents if they were separatists they knew that you know something might happen to them so they specifically maybe set up like a family like someone to adopt Cassian should something happen to them that'd be interesting to see yeah They're like I wonder if it's like out these parallels and these foils man well because I do like wonder like it... Cassian like Jin <laughs> or like I do or if like or if maybe she was just someone else on Ferrix because like I do wonder how 
I feel like there needs to be some previous connection that they had, like even if it's just like they were both um on fest. Yeah. Um, or like maybe when he was like escaping on a ship, she was escaping too, or so I don't know. Yeah. But like but I'd be also- interested to see what their like initial connect is. <laughs> yeah. I it I so Cassian's dad was was like I'm gonna say rumored I use that word lightly but I don't want to be like you know um (laughs) it was like rumored that his dad was killed by clones so oh I I think you I think either one of you told me this but he was killed in a demonstration against the empire and Karita which I think might be where it was against the republic (laughs) yeah so yeah sorry same thing really (laughs) i do wonder if they if that scene of the guy holding the torch walking towards the clones is his dad like i do wonder yeah Yeah. (laughs) i have dissected that trailer and that teaser trailer (laughs) but i definitely think that that's his father there are some people that think that that's cassian but there's no way that clone troopers yeah not and they wouldn't they wouldn't be this used this late into the empire I am, I am so nervous though because like clones will probably be Cassian's enemy so I am nervous for the like outcome of that from like the fandom I guess I won't say the fandom as a whole but like it's gonna be interesting (laughs) it will be interesting there's a lot of clone lovers on the TL I'm kind of (laughs) worried and I am a clone lover too I'm a clone lover but you have to but like you have to understand that like if you're a child who like you know in the same way that like a battle droid would be scary to like that one twilight child who's in that one clone wars arc you or know Numa. or din even numa yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Din is another really great example that like yeah of course cassian wouldn't really want to trust them yeah uh, and then it, that's it, really interesting is like even if he's not directly working with someone like rex i wonder what cassian's feelings are just knowing that there is clones that are yeah involved in the rebellion it'll be a big Kanan and Cassian parallel mm-hmm. yeah I and I do think that po- there could possibly be like maybe in season two because I know that Rex is on Yavin by that time yeah. mm-hmm. so it would be cool to see I don't know if they'll bring Rex to live action but they they brought like a clone to live action in Kenobi so it would be yeah. cool yeah I, I would have put it past them yeah, I mean, I do yeah. Hope- I wonder if they would save it for Ahsoka, but then Andor season two is probably going to come out after Ahsoka season or Ahsoka, yeah. so it's possible that they <laughs> that they would do Rex in live action since like maybe he would have already been at that point. Yeah, oh, it'll be so cool to see all of this get fleshed out eventually. I wonder where we'll be in three years. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> but, I do I mean- want to go back to. Bix and Cassian, are we yes. on this? Okay, cool. Well, we're there, we're just all over the place, so yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> there was something that you said. The, the are you a fish or are you a thief line? And then uh, Adria came out and she said, um, she said that her and Cassian, you know, they're childhood friends, and she does she has she says that she has this deep love for Cassian, uh, Bix, and. Uh, 
although she's broken up that relationship because it was confirmed that they were like a thing on and off but she still helps him and then in the first episode it was said that they will be like working together or that they work together so i think that uh i think that when she's captured by dedra i think that she's being used as bait mm. and i think that that's that prison scene oh. i genuinely oh. think yeah that would make sense I, yeah I and think... i go ahead no go oh i, I think that there's everyone thinks not everyone, but a lot of people think that we're going to lose Bix in like episode three or episode four. But I, I genuinely think that she's going to be a Ferrix. It goes all the way up to episode 12. I don't think, well, also the fact, like, I'm just thinking from a point of like, I have a shirt. Like, I mean, she's on the shirt I'm wearing, but she's yeah. also on a shirt that I have. I don't think that they would make that much merch, merch. nor would they push her so heavy on the press tour if she was only going to be in three episodes nor would I think they would hire an actor kind of of the caliber that she is um I think that she's going to be around for longer I just think that they're trying to hide what exactly her arc is going to be for whatever reason and I'm curious about why (laughs) yeah um but I don't know like the whole thing you're explaining too like I know I said this before but like it very much does give like Han and Kira in Most Wanted we're like they both kind of like grew up and they're like helping each other out um Han and Kira aren't dating yet in Most Wanted Mm -hmm. but like it kind of has that same vibe of like they understand each other because they grew up together and they help each other out and you know but there's kind of this underpinning of something more um and then that could lead to like them eventually like separating um potentially because of like differences um yeah I think it'd be interesting in this case like if it was maybe maybe Bix like despite everything doesn't want to join the rebellion and she kind of wants to choose to maybe stay on Ferrix if it doesn't like get destroyed or something Mm -hmm. um but maybe like she wants to stay on Ferrix where Cassian chooses to join and that is why they end up splitting up and why they end yeah. up like not seeming to be in contact like by like Rogue One. And mm-hmm. in, in the latest, uh, the thing that they did yesterday for Samsung, the interview, I, I could be quoting the wrong thing, but she said that Bix, so Bix's parents passed away um, and she she's the owner of that like scrapyard. Like she runs the show essentially on Ferrix um, and she's a mechanic. So she said that she's want wanted this uh for a really Mm. long time so it would be interesting to see if Bix doesn't go with Cassian or 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 chooses to stay to like uphold her parents is uh work or like legacy that she's it could be it very much could be a lethal situation where it's like the rebels fight back you know regain their home plan and then build from there and I think that it would be so cool to see Bix kind of be a part of that especially because of the like the the like heartfelt connection that she has to Ferrix because of her parents and it's like a big scrapyard planet so I think that yeah yeah and I think like especially if something if uh, Marva ends up dying um possibly or like being killed by the empire like 
why that might create a situation where say like Cassian is more like I have to leave like I don't want to be on a planet that like basically reminds me always of like the mother that I lost um whereas like Bix might kind of be like well this is my connection to my parents and I don't want to leave because then it'll be too hard um and that kind of being like an also like a kind of dynamic and like a kind of look at like grief too and how like you know losing a parent or someone who's close to you like how it how it affects people um and like why and how different people react to like that kind of grief um yeah I think I also appreciate how this show is going more into like mothers and like mother-son relationships Mm -hmm. because I think we see a lot of like father-son and even father-daughter relationships in Star Wars but having a a female having a mother and like a female mentor I think is it seems a lot rarer in Star Wars so the fact that first it's it's Mon Mothma being such a major character and Mon Mothma and Cassian in particular seeming to join Mon Mothma cell but then also Cassian's mother being a huge relationship Cyril and his mother being clearly some sort of a pretty affecting relationship um and then also even though she's a villain but like having one of the main empire villains be a woman is is very interesting um a woman in Star stem Wars- <laughs> 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 is, is very interesting and I'm glad that this show is exploring it um because I think it's it would have been I think it would have been really easy to just have like Luthen kind of be this like father rebel figure for Cassian but I like I appreciate how they seem to be kind of splitting that up and yeah. making it a little different I am super excited to see Luthen and Cassian's relationship specifically because I want to know if Cassian will compare Luthen to Draven or yeah if like in season two he'll kind of have draven rather than luthan and draven i wonder if he'll be everything that luthan wasn't if that makes sense yeah well or everything or or sorry uh if draven draven is everything that luthan wasn't yeah i said that right yeah well yeah (laughs) and i think too like when we're talking about uh like we've talked about the parallels between Jin and Cassie and like if Marva is more like Acacia and then Luthen is like Saw where like maybe there is something that pulls Luthen and Cassie apart like he's the person who introduces Cassie to the rebellion he maybe trains him a little bit more gets him and makes him believe and then either maybe there's some sort of betrayal um I think especially given that Luthen seems to be a person who is also like he comes from some position of affluence and he's kind of like hiding in the empire in the same way that like someone like Mon Mothma or Bail Organa is um and if that but then like you know because I think as they push the foil between Jin and Cassie and they also want to push it like that is that pushes him further into the rebellion and like maybe like you're saying like it pushes him to like find a new mentor in Draven um, and and look for in particular maybe someone who is really different than Luthen. Yeah I think that every relationship that we'll see with Cassian kind of in the middle and then the rest like branching out will be really interesting and I think that they're going to explore it they're really heavy on the like character driven part of Andor so it'll be really interesting to see 
them all be fleshed out. And I think it'll be mm. different from what we saw in Rogue One, for sure, especially because we didn't get to see the development of any of those relationships that Cassian had with the crew in Rogue One. And then in Endor, we're literally kind of like jumping into the middle mm-hmm. of those. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, and I think I like that, like Rogue One, it seems like Andor is really focusing on a bunch of different um, regular people who were, you know, fighting. And that's why I also wonder too, in how close it is to Rogue One, if we'll see like an Imperial defector in someone like Cyril. I'm guessing it's Cyril because I don't think it would be based on what we kind of know about Deidre, Dedra. Um, and also the fact that it maybe seems like they're in a romantic relationship. And I think that it could be interesting tension if like Cyril ends yeah. up like their breakup is him <laughs> deciding that he's going to leave. Um, but, or like kind of like how like, you know, he has this connection with her, but his obsession with Cassian and how different Cassian is. Cause it seems like Cyril really has like his life in this order and strive for perfection whereas like Cassian sort of lives in more of this like messiness and chaos if that is also could affect Cyril and and force him to defect and maybe that's something that we see in season two is like if he defects maybe him and Cassian form some sort of relationship and if he's ISB or if he wanted to be ISB it also makes sense that like Callus he then kind of fits into rebel intelligence yeah I think that Cyril is labeled as Coruscant police, but Mm -hmm. yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets off of Coruscant and like towards Ferrex. I was gonna say, I'm thinking it's because he says he wants to be ISB. Yeah, he's like working his way up. So I'm, I, that's like, I think I said that earlier, but like maybe that he, they're like, oh, we'll send you on this mission as sort of like a test. Yeah, and then it's it like depending on how too. yeah or maybe it's just they want to try to like I don't know because then I'm like why wouldn't they just send troopers that's yeah. interesting to me that they would send someone like Coruscant police to Ferrix instead of yeah. just stormtroopers as backup though the teaser trailer showing Dedra Cyril um the the stormtroopers the mud troopers there is a riot uh, on Ferrix that was supposedly filmed and I think that I don't think that's like the beginning of the season I think that's towards the end so I think that the season kind of ends with a bang I, I don't know yeah. yeah and then we still have the beach stuff has to fit in there somewhere yeah. we have not seen like any of that in the trailer we have not seen any of the shore troopers we haven't seen Cassie yet in that outfit we haven't seen any sort of like beach look yeah. in the trailer so I'm wondering what that is fitting and it looked like Cassian still had the beard and in, yes. in one scene it seems like he's going undercover without the beard so I, now I'm like I thought it was going to be later in the season but I'm wondering if it's kind of after the first three episodes I think the beard is after because the poncho that he's wearing is episode four and he's oh. shaven yeah and he has the the bruise like on his high on his cheekbone he doesn't have it in some scenes with the beard and then he does and then he does have it in the same spot without the beard and then with the beach scenes he does not have a beard 
and he has like the but signature had- Cassian cut if that makes sense yeah he has like his longer hair does he have a yeah beard, I thought? it's very oh, no. like he has like stubble he has more of yeah. the rogue one stubble in the beach yeah one. he looks very like rogue one Cassian on the beach so I think that that's later in the season though I feel like it's they said we're getting Ferrex throughout the entire season they also said we're getting Coruscant throughout the entire season as well yeah I'm assuming that's because Mon Mothma is on Coruscant yeah. basically the whole time would be my guess yeah uh it, it'll be cool to see how this season plays out and if they'll jump back and forth Although for episode seven, I do wonder about this episode the most because it's the only one with like a single director. Like, I'm oh, instead who, of the team. Yeah, I'm forgetting who it is, but it's like, uh, Dev had mentioned that it could be a flashback episode. Hmm. Although I don't is, know if they do that. But... Yeah, because isn't the first episode supposed to be all about the destruction of uh, Fest? Yes. So yeah. that's what we'll get. I'm assuming most of the baby Cassian that we've seen with like the necklace the and like him crawling through like the Imperial. Yeah. Uh, we also, whatever. We also the had Ray Gin vibes. <laughs> we also had Kaya introduced to us, which is next to him in the who she's next to him in the teaser trailer. Oh yeah. And Kaya we have and that Cassian. blonde lady. Is that the blonde lady or the brunette one? No, Kaya is the little girl next to Cassian. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So a lot of people are wondering if this is his sister because Bespin Bulletin said that he, it was confirmed that he has a sister. But it's not. It's not Biggs. Bespin Bulletin is my enemy. (laughs) We won't, we we won't bring up the whole Andor siblings thing. (laughs) I'm about to like die with me, but, um, (laughs) but um yeah I think that Kaya could definitely be somebody did mention that she could be a younger Bix so not his sister but a younger Bix because they are childhood friends but the thing yeah. is, is that I don't think that it's a younger Bix because of the whole like I... the parents on the scrapyard thing yeah I would assume that yeah. he met I feel like and I feel like I remember an interview mentioning that they met when they were like 10 Yes, I remember that too. So I think that it, that she might have lived on Ferrix her whole life, which I would also be- maybe indicate that she would be more hesitant to leave. Yeah. I wonder if we'll see them meet. Like, I wonder if the whole first episode, Ooh. yeah, is like I Cassian. Love that. Me too. It's like little Casa or like little Cassian and then Casa. him. I just wonder how he got to Ferrix. This is why I think that there has to be, I'm, I'm wondering if like, if like Galen and uh or either that or there were enough survivors of like fest that uh some of them moved and like that's kind of like Cassian got into the shuffle of like and they just went to Ferrix yeah uh like is or like you know how like after like Saw leaves Jin she's just kind of like I gotta get out of here and I don't care where I go like maybe that's yeah. kind of the situation where like he's like just- I don't care where I go and he just kind of ends up there <laughs> Yeah. And then I wonder, stays. I do wonder if it's the same situation too. He's six and he's like, I don't know how much else I can do here. He like goes up to the driver of whatever transport. And he's like, drive with like a little six-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the only other like new character that we haven't discussed a whole lot is uh B2. <laughs> the he new is droid. so pocket size. He's so he- cute. 
He looks like a portable cooler. Like, you know those robots that, like, bring your food to you? Like, the delivery yes. robots? And it, like, pops the little thing open, and then your door dashes in and there? he even <laughs> extends. Like, he, he, like, extends and collapses. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, your drink, sir. <laughs> okay, Diego described him as pure love. That's how he oh, described me he's too. He's getting exploded. I, <laughs> that's so terrible. Oh my God. And he described him as pure love. And he said he's the type of droid where if you forgot him or if you thought you forgot him at home and you like turned to the side, he would already be there next to you. With space. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> I am so nervous. It's so funny because oh, that is a completely, that's like a completely different droid than K2. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so interesting because like even physically, it seems like they really went through lengths to make him different than K2. The fact that like he's so small, he's super colorful. I, I'm assuming yeah. like he's like more like an astromech where he speaks like binary instead of basic. Like it's yeah. so interesting to me that they like specifically made a droid that almost seems like the opposite of K2. But like the connecting factor is like, most likely they both love Cassian enough to sacrifice themselves for him. And I was, no, it sounds like, (laughs) fuck, what if B2 dies, like trying to protect Marva? Hey, so let's not get into that. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, It'll be like Tala and Ned B, and I don't know if I can go through that a second time. No! No. I'm still not well over that, but I I'll never be well. (laughs) <laughs> I was thinking about B2 today and um how at Comic-Con when they had his uh like body there and they had the sign and it said that he's been a part of the Andor family for like a really long time. I wonder about that. Like I don't I I really wonder if if Marva is an and is Andor. Is that no, it's Marva Andor. I was thinking that I think Marva's gonna be the one to give Cassian his too. last name, and that's why. And yeah. then he changed it from from Casa to Casa to Cassian. Cassian, and and that's why like he's been in the. And it would make sense because if he's like a scrapyard droid, if Mar- Marva has lived on Ferrix for mm-hmm. like a while or whatever. And Marva is apparently an ex business owner, but she stopped because Queen. of her ex girl boss, a girl boss, but. <laughs> I do like how she's the one actor where they're like, she'll just be Fiona Fiona Schultz's age. (laughs) Like everyone else, they're like, you're younger. You're not as old as you were. (laughs) You're 21, Diego. We know you're 40. (laughs) And they're like, Fiona Schultz, they're like, she can be like a 60-year-old woman. (laughs) Uh, Des Willie, the photographer on set for Andor, I follow him on, we follow each other on Instagram. Subtle flex. Mutual. (laughs) But he's... (laughs) He posted, we're Moody's. <laughs> he posted the photo of Marva with the B2, and he was like, This isn't the first time I've worked with Mar- with uh, Fiona Shaw, and like she's such like a, a joy to work with. And I was like, Oh, I'm so excited to see Marva. But thinking of like the a whole- Kate, I was like, Oh my god, soccer or a core. <laughs> Another Jin Cassian parallel, both of so their parents. With <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole Casa and Cassian, 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 no, but the whole Casa yeah. and Cassian. <laughs> oh. 
the way you said it in the trailer, I can't Endor. get it out of my head. Um, I was okay, but the whole like Casa and Cassian thing. Oh, the whole I don't want to get too much into this because it's something that I feel like super passionate about. But like the whole like Cassian is a migrant story. The fact that Diego like threw like put that in there and that he's using like Disney and Star Wars to tell a story of a migrant is so like amazing to me. Like he has this character that he had this whole backstory for, and he was like, he's he's always described Cassian as someone who's always been on the run. So I do wonder like about that in Endor, like with the whole migrant story and the changing. Like these are all, everything that Casa slash Cassian goes through are like very real issues that like mm-hmm. real migrants go through, and and like the changing of their names and and he says that Cassian is the only one on Ferrix with that accent. So it's cool to see how in Rogue One when he was casted, they were like, he's like, well, I'm gonna keep the accent, and then now they've literally like formulated this whole story based off of like that and I think mm-hmm. that that's I don't know that's so important no, I'm that's so one glad. of the aspects that's one of the aspects of the show I'm most excited about because we we don't get to see like these normal everyday people yeah. just living in the empire like just just in general and I'm really excited that that they have like such that Diego has such like a hand on the wheel and that he's allowing and that Disney and Star Wars is allowing him to tell this extremely important and relevant story through um sci-fi and science fantasy and yeah, yeah. and I yeah. I really oh go ahead I no continue I'll say oh no <laughs> um yeah I I am just very intrigued and I I really like that they might be introducing that kind of name change, which is a very um, like the the culture around a name change, especially with like um, with um, with migrated families, especially first generation families. It's about I, I obviously don't want to like explain this, but um, it's about trying to feel connected to your culture while being immersed in like a completely new place and I feel like the empire is a really interesting um antagonist to do that because they're all about order and um and conglomeration and assimilation and like seeing how Cassian and this kind of group of rebels quote-unquote on Ferrix is gonna fight against that and how just Cassian does it in his everyday life but yeah yeah. I, I'm very excited yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, even like when I think back to like the story of like when, you know, Diego was talking about people coming up to him and saying how important it was for, for him to keep his accent or like that one Tumblr poster was saying like they took their dad who was uh, Mexican to see the movie and they were just so happy to hear a hero that had the same accent as them to then take that a step further and say it's not even just about the accent but about actually then telling the story of migrants and immigrants particularly from like um latin america given you know who diego luna is and where he's from is i think really wonderful and i'm really glad that they chose to go that direction with the character and yeah and really take it that step forward especially too when you think about the fact that the whole idea behind 
the Rogue One casting was that they were taking people who generally weren't really the heroes in these Star Wars movies. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, they have Diego, who is Mexican. They had Felicity, who was only the second female lead. And then the rest of them were all men of color um, from like, you know, Asian Pacific Islander. So I, I really appreciate them taking kind of what was almost implicit in Cassian's story and making it explicit and and furthering uh you know I know that people love to Felicity Wars isn't political yes it is it always has been and I think that I think yeah (laughs) I think that having this story is also so important given what we've seen like the past couple years in the U.S. but also like worldwide with the kind of like immigration crisis in Europe like and how this could really be an impact for you know good and and how people seeing a fictional story like this could really you know get them to consider what Mm -hmm. it really means yeah um I I was I went to the Nalib summit with uh Adria and uh she was asked by the host how she felt I think she was asked in this instance where she said how does it feel to be a Latina in Star Wars um which if I'm not wrong is I think that she is like one of the first if not the first Latina in Star Wars there's no uh, I I think she is yeah I was like female yeah yeah female because I can't think I was like the only one is like I think like well there's Lupita Lupita yeah. and then like mm-hmm. Trace and Rafa kind of, but they're yeah. animated. Yeah, it's not like animated. it's not like explicit, but yeah, Lupita yeah. is the only one. Oh, and then I guess um no, I don't I, I was gonna say the original um uh, Rosario Dawson. Yes. Ro- Rosario, Rosario yeah, mm-hmm. she's she's Cuban. I was, yeah, uh no, but the original uh, Brea Organa is not either. That's yeah, sorry, I've I, I got right? mm-hmm. yes, um, yes. But she's she was asked the question, like, how do you feel about being like a Latina in Star Wars? And uh, she was like, you know, I hope that one day somebody won't ask me this question anymore. And I was like, yeah. yes, like, I was like, I hate hearing that question. Like, as a Latina, I'm like, I, 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 and that's the only question I feel like that they're asked. And Diego mm-hmm. was asked it too at, a, at the press conference. And then she was like, I, I want to be seen as somebody who is always in Star Wars and not like her herself but like you know people of color or women of color Mm -hmm. and um people from different ethnicities and she was like I I think that representation is important and it is and I think that Andor is the perfect platform for this type of representation because it's a story about people not about heroes and Mm -hmm. yes Cassian like does eventually become a hero to like to the audience for what he does on Scarif but I think that a people story that's not surface level or so small is really important and I think especially right now like Star Mm -hmm. Wars is normally about like we have Obi-Wan and we have Anakin and then in Clone Wars like we have Ahsoka and Anakin or Rex we have these like very small familial stories where it's it's like yes the Jedi but it's also like these very specific Jedi and then Kenobi was was Obi-Wan and then 
yes, we got other characters, but it was so small. It was like in this box almost. And, and it was a continuation of like the story that we didn't know about what happened after, you know, Kenobi lost essentially everything and then like went into hiding. But Andor, like there are 195 confirmed speaking roles. Like this is a really big cast and like a really big community. And I remember Tony said this thing that made me really happy was that it's not fair to call it Endor because it's about a community. It's not just about Cassian. Mm -hmm. And it's important also, I think, kind of in the same tree branch but uh Mon Mothma like we're not seeing Senator Mon Mothma we're seeing the woman which I Mm -hmm. also think is really important especially with Mon and mirroring her at Dedra so it's like we have these two women fighting for power and for someone to just listen to them and I think that that's going to be so like poignant to watch especially with someone like Mon Mothma who eventually everyone starts seeing her as this beacon but then at one point she was this small voice that everybody just thought of as an irritation Mm -hmm. so I just cannot wait to see like this this show is going to be I think I think a lot of people are uh, I think a lot of people are gonna I think a lot of people are gonna hate it and I'm yeah and I'm gonna love it (laughs) yeah I'm gonna love it too it's so crazy seeing all of the like comments already and I posted screenshots of this and you can see on my Twitter where everyone was like what like this show looks so good and they were like what like where did this come from like we were bamboozled with Kenobi (laughs) I I think it's so interesting about Mon Matha how like everyone had this reaction to like she's been married this whole time and it's so interesting that you say we're gonna see the woman because I think it realized like it's funny how almost the Star Wars narrative has only presented her as like the leader of the rebellion that's essentially all she's even even going into the pad or even in the Padme novel she's the senator from I forget I don't know how to pronounce her planet name I think it's Cendrilla in in you know uh and even in um you know princess and the scoundrel where it's like she has we see a little bit more of her like personal side especially with like encouraging leia to go on her honeymoon and like really seeing leia as like uh sort of daughter sister um but it's really i think this show will be really interesting in like exploring more of her humanity like we were saying of like oh, she's married? Like, what is that relationship? Like, if they've been married for so long, why has she not, why is that not something people are mentioning? Is it not, is it something that she doesn't mention a lot because it's something she wants to keep private? Like, it's, it's interesting to me. And I also like that, um, you know, I, I think, I know that some people are going to write it off, but like, I think the, the fact that they seem to be including several different romances and this implication of several different romantic relationships, uh, Binks and Cassian, Deidre and Cyril, uh, uh, Marva has a husband that she's yeah. mentioned, we don't know who, uh, Mon Mothma, in this way of if you're showing people and if you're if you're getting back down to like the people and and bringing down this level how essential like romance is to like everyday people and how romance thrives even when you know terrible things are happening or people are having to fight that yeah you know romance can sometimes be a reprieve from yeah that and I and I really like that aspect and how love can 
persevere. And Han says it, it to bring up the princess and the scoundrel again. I was just about to bring it up. Yeah, <laughs> he says it. He was like, it's like the opposite of war is love or something like that, mm-hmm. or like the parallel, or not the parallel, but yeah. And I think that, I think the reaction that was had when Mon Mothma was confirmed to be married, I think it was like the perfect reaction in a way. And I think yeah. that's a very real reaction that would happen in the like universe as well. But then I also think that like we see these like leading women and they're like, oh, they're married to the work. Like I saw a lot of people that were like, oh, they don't mean married. They mean married to her work. But like they were surprised that yeah they were surprised she said she's been married yeah they were surprised that a woman like Mon Mothma could be could be married or like wants to be married but she she like she or I don't know if it's a loving marriage and she did choose to be in it or if she if it was an arranged marriage or she got married young and then Mm -hmm. it'll be cool to see like how they explore it. Well, like, or even, like, this idea, too, where I feel like sometimes, like, uh, um, people have a, such a clear idea of, what, like, like, what a strong female character is, and usually that does not involve that uh, strong female character being in a romantic relationship, and when yes. she is, they, that is so often seen as, like, oh, well, she loses her independence, she's, like, codependent, but no, like, I don't find that the case, and if anything, I think it's more compelling when you have a character like Mon Mothma, and I kind of, like, I, I, I've, you know, I don't know exactly what we're going to find with her relationship, but I think like if it's a loving relationship, if it's something that like, maybe we haven't heard about it because she's particularly wanted to keep that part of like her life private. I think even Leia talks about it a little bit in the Princess and the Scoundrel, this idea that she wants something like her and Han's relationship in a way she wants that to be kind of her private thing that like, mm-hmm. that'd be really interesting to maybe see that like Mon Mothma wants her marriage to be her own private thing she's dedicated so much of her life to public and now she's dedicating so much of her life to fighting the empire that she wants one thing that is just hers and it would be interesting Mm -hmm. then if the one thing that was hers gets taken by the empire yeah I I was thinking that too like I wonder if she'll if her husband will have a same like a similar outcome to like a lot of the romances that we see in star wars but it, it it is like poignant to think that Mon Mothma has this like escape kind of like we are seeing the woman and this woman has a husband and she has somebody that she can come to because in in the environment that she's in she's seen as like an irritation and people don't like her and and she has to put on this facade and 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 like talk to people in a way that probably like she doesn't want to and then you get to her husband and she can be Mon rather than a senator. So. Yeah, like, or in like a similar way how like, you know, Bale and Brea, like they were working so hard, but they had each other as a reprieve yeah. and they had Leia, their child, as like this way to kind of be normal through everything. Yeah. Like they're, yes, they're doing all this, but like they have this kind of one part of their life that is like normal and brings them st- stability. Yeah. Liv, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like half asleep right now. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I keep looking it is, at the time. It, it is, is currently 12.15. Right? Yeah, I'm so yeah. sorry. On the Eastern Seaboard. 
It's all right. We're st- <laughs> we move. We move. <laughs> all that I have to say yep. is that Mon Mothma is gonna slay in this slay. show. I just sure know was. it. And that well, orange dress, especially. Oh, I am oh. very happy at whoever was like, you know what we need from Mon Mothma? We need Mon Mothma to join Star Wars Women Who Wear Pretty Dresses Club. Yes. So Thank true. you so the dress much. Girly. Like, <laughs> I am so appreciated they just didn't go, oh, we'll just keep putting her in those white robes. Like, no, they were like, bed sheets. Maximum slay. Maximum slay. <laughs> We have colors. We have cuts. But like, I like it's like it's yesified, but it all it still isn't like that style. It's all long. Yeah. It's a little bit more loose fitting, but it's gorgeous. And it has like she still has like kind of the chunky yeah. like jewelry and medallions, but it's like it's yesified. <laughs> I'm yeah. so excited too because she went from like these huge sleeves to like showing off like her. Oh my god! Arms. The one the one dress with like the cutout in the center. Yeah. Like, she has yes. she has a little bit of a longer hair too like it's yeah. not so much of a pixie cut it's a little bit longer like the the vanity fair photo shoot came out like a oh. few days before celebration yeah. and people mm-hmm. were like i did not know that we were going into celebration week with mom moth on the brain yeah <laughs> like, literally <laughs> like milk so milk mothma milk mothma does get taken to a whole or like mommy mothma does get taken to a new whole nother level when you find out she's married <laughs> like yeah. damn I okay so I had this joke with Linz a few uh weeks ago or like a long time ago now that Mon Mothma is a wipey mom <laughs> like do you guys get it no okay well when like you were a kid your mom had these like wipeys in her purse oh, yeah. <laughs> so she like wipes everything down <laughs> and also like if her little kiddo has like food on their mouth she like gets the wipey and is like here and like wipes their mouth she's so someone she is so the mom where after the grocery store in the car she turns at everyone she's like hand sanitizer yeah (laughs) well I was thinking I was like if mom and Cassian like ever meet like imagine like a wipey mom situation where she's like your hands are dirty and she like grabs them and wipes them Cassian actually, my mama actually told Cassian that like, no, you cannot just use bar soap on your face. Yes. She was like, do you use that? I need an episode of Andor where it's Mon Mothma judging Cassian's living situation. Like, I just need it. And then she so needs to be in like the most extravagant dress, like coming oh through this house. The devil wears Prada, but it's Cassian. Cassian. Do, do this. What skincare products do you use? You He's never like, used moisturizer in your entire life. <laughs> she's like, you don't, she's like, you don't wear sunscreen when you go outside. She's like, that's why you. No, we raw dog it. We raw dog it in this she's house. Like, she's like, how old are you? Forty? You're twenty one. <laughs> if you use sunscreen, <laughs> she's like, sunscreen is a natural deager. Look at me. <laughs> Like, there's a reason Mon Mothma has remained like ageless. <laughs> she watches Hiram on TikTok. The skincare guy. It's <laughs> so true. <laughs> she like sends them to Cassian at like two o'clock in the morning. She's she, like, you need to buy this product. <laughs> she sends like, she gets like, she'll like order extra products to give to Cassian. Or you know no. how at Sephora you get like the, the like, 
She like puts them in a bag and she gives them to Cassian on like on like scheduled visits. <laughs> like I know you're going on a mission. It's a beach planet. I got you SBF 100. He's like I don't really need you need that. <laughs> My favorite thing is when she introduces him in Rogue One and that like smile on her face. She's like, "This is Captain Cassian Endor," and like I just need to know like how they get that to that level I, yeah. yeah I need it so bad I Me need, too. I, I need uh, yeah I need the amount of Mon Mothma and Cassian interaction that we got in Rebel Rising between Jin and Saul that's what I need yeah <laughs> we I can think... focus on Luthen in season one but we should in season two really kick it up <laughs> yeah I, I have I have a, a delusional a, like thought that season two will be like how this one, this season is Cassian and Mon. I think next season is going to be Jin and Cassian. I think both stories. Oh. But I don't think so. Maybe, I just, yeah. I, I'm on I, the Jin Cassian agenda, so. I I hope <laughs> that, I still am holding out hope that Saw is going to be in it and we might get some sort of reference to like a soldier that he recently lost or someone who recently left them. <laughs> Or, like, yeah. one of the partisans being like, oh, well, we used to have, like, maybe they need, like, someone to make, like, you know, codes or, or like, a need to forge imperial documents. And yeah. one of the partisans, like, oh, we used to have someone who is really good at that. And, like, and then I hope we see, I'm assuming, I'm hope the three episodes, last episodes, we might get, like, a full name drop of just, like. Or so. Well, the fact that, like, it seems like while she, uh, Cassian was in on his mission that k2 was going to um yes the, uh, yeah well body so like uh, maybe cassian and then parting being like oh you're going to get her so well melshi was assigned that mission by cassian she and hits was, him <laughs> i know isn't she the one she hits <laughs> she like beats his ass twice with that shovel and then oh my in god the, in the novelization she only knows him as the guy who she beat with a shovel <laughs> she like, and she's like i remember like she was like i think in the comic they show them on the plane and he's like really grumpy <laughs> like he, he like they show him like being really grumpy about things and, like, and then she asked him in the book if he's still mad at her <laughs> that's why i think that Jin has a sense of humor i'm like this the moment she asked that i was like this girl is a jokester i just know it but yeah, she Mel Melshi is assigned that mission, and Cassian tells K two to go with him. And Ooh, see, uh, yeah, and then Cat doesn't Cass. I can't remember if it's Cephalor or Cassian, but Melshi's a sergeant, but he is promoted on Scarif. So I think that a promotion was already into play, and that's why Cassian uh, sent him to Olvani. I think way too so much true. about. Well, she and Cassian. I need to, like... Is Sergeant lower than Captain? Yeah. Yes. I think Sergeant is like the bottom rank. Oh. Oh. I, it, I actually think that Sergeant is like a branched rank. Because I know that they, I, I don't know anything about the military, but I know about the <laughs> I, Rebel Alliance. Yeah. I was I, like, I've had yeah. to look up uh, yeah. like the Rebel rank multiple I times. I think it's. Lieutenant. I think lieutenant is the lowest because 
Thane comes into the rebellion as a okay. Lieutenant. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like ensign oh, lieutenant. This or maybe does that's not have sergeant in it at all. This is lieutenant, captain, yeah, it, major, commander, colonel, general. It's because I think that a sergeant is like, and hopefully no one in the military is like listening to us like butcher this. Sorry. But but sergeant doesn't have to uh like salute higher ups. Oh. Because I remember in some of the early Rogue One stuff, they referred to Jin as Sergeant Jin or so, but then in the movie, she's never called that. Yeah, Sephla assigns her the rank of Sergeant and doesn't give her the decision to, like, say no, and that's after Melshi is is uh, promoted. Assigned assigned Sergeant by the Rebel Alliance. (laughs) (laughs) She was supposed to be a, a... a sergeant from the get-go like she was supposed to already be in the rebellion and then they changed it Ooh, she was supposed yeah. to be sergeant Jin. there's like there's there's like twists. her lego there was like some weird lego yeah. thing that came out uh yeah. i'm assuming i just assume that in like at at the point if she's the best soldier i'm just assuming that in like saws she would have been like colonel <laughs> if he's the general i feel like she would have been like colonel or something yeah I would have loved to see what they originally had in mind for Rogue One. Like I, I don't know. I think I would have. Loved I would have to loved see... to see when it was the idea to have it as a, like the TV show episode for that like series that never made it off the ground. Yeah, I always think it's crazy that Cassian was George Lucas's idea, but he wasn't named. I think until like Rogue One was a thing. And I'll be was, honest, George uh, George Lucas could have never done Cassian Andor I as know. well as <laughs> no. Diego Luna could have made Star Wars, but George Lucas, George Lucas could, could have not have done Cassian Andor. <laughs> so true. It's like the book of life. George Lucas could have never done <laughs> the book. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of layers. Yeah. Um, like an onion? Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> uh last quick question before we get into book club which will be shorter this week uh is there like would you guys want like besides the show would you want some like sort of tie-in through like a book or a comic because I am very pro give Cassie and Andor a young adult novel basically like they did for Leia and Han and Jin um yes I because especially now that we know that he was on Ferrix doing it and covering his relationship with Bix and delving more into his relationship with his mom could be very interesting yeah my thoughts exactly (laughs) I would actually want both I would want a YA book about Cassian just young Cassian but I would also want a comic series basically doing what um tony gilroy originally envisioned for seasons two through five so like we get those snippets of the of the three episode arcs in season two but we get the rest of what those arcs would have been or the rest of the arcs in that season of the show within within the comic so basically just a comic series that goes over more of cassian's mission with the rebellion that would be really really cool and i think that that would attract a lot of attention to his character and like yes sir yeah i i think a book would be cool about what you guys said but then i also think the last season or i guess now i don't think this anymore but it's five days before rogue one is when season two ends so i think it'd be cool to see like 
those five days yeah I I don't think it would be a book but I think a comic would be cool about that Mm -hmm. like a mini series yes and I feel like like, Obi-Wan yeah yeah. Obi-Wan mini series almost kind of filling in random missions yes because absolutely in the book Cassian was on Coruscant before he was on Kathreen oh so oh was, yeah yeah he's, he's, peeling, he's peeling out of the imperial uniform in the comic so uh-huh yeah i think I'm oh yeah cool. i'd be down for that yeah <laughs> lucas well, then, hire us to write stuff hire us to envision stuff we're, we're I, pepe sylvia jiffing on like a different and, dimension right now and either get <laughs> beth revis or daniel jose older to write or justine ireland would also i think write cassian very well but those are my top three authors for Cassian YA novels specifically. <laughs> would be it would be oh, super yeah. cool. I there's actually a apparently Cassian is like in the Leia manga very briefly. Oh, he is. It's like a super Ooh. tiny, and he's listed in the like Wikipedia thing, Wikipedia, and it's rumored rumored that Cassian is the one who taught Leia espionage would love that <laughs> yeah I thought that that was super sick I forgot where I read that but apparently he's like he's like kind of like a big brother type thing I don't know we're, you were gonna say we read that and then it turns out we like we that was we like just gaslit ourselves <laughs> <laughs> that was like a fanfic <laughs> <laughs> so it's so bad sometimes i'm like that totally happened i'm like like no that didn't that didn't obsessed happen. with the fact that his obsessed with the fact cassie's wikipedia page currently only lists him being in and or episodes one two three four and seven nice <laughs> not the book of boba fetification of andor no, no. Oh, I hope that doesn't we, happen. We already can't manifest that because we at least were already set on the expectation that there's going to be a lot of characters. And I also kind of doubt they just go in a whole episode without showing Cassian, though. I'm so Tony thankful. Gilroy doesn't play like that. He loves True. Cassian too much. That's his, that's his baby girl. That's all of him. <laughs> He's like in like his, when, his like Brooklyn accent. He's like, "This is my baby girl." I was like, when people on Twitter, I was like, Tony Gilroy actually has like a a, a fin a finsta Twitter where he is the one he's tweeting along with us, baby girl. <laughs> like a picture of Cassie with baby girl. He's the Star Wars admin that added me and is like. Actually, it's illegal to dislike Cassie and Endor. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> true. They, they let him have Twitter, and he interacts with all the Andor posts. So if you post about Andor, Tony Gilroy is like, gets a notification. That's and actually he's like, Tony Gilroy behind yeah. the screen. Swagman is Tony Gilroy. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing was that at Celebration, when, when like, uh, at the Lucas Bump Showcase, they were asking him questions, and he was like, you know, I actually don't want to talk about that. <laughs> like <laughs> I thought that how, that was so funny how people feel about Dave Filoni is how I feel about Tony <laughs> like that's like he is like I'm like honestly let Tony Gilroy do whatever he wants yeah the fact that like that like a pretty important like name at Lucasfilm like showed him this thing and was like what do you think and he was like <laughs> and he like threw it back after <laughs> That man has never in his, I love this, I love the vibe of like, that man could probably name five characters that are not connected to Rogue One. <laughs> Didn't he Good say, for him. 
I think he said he hated Star Wars. Like, I think that he... Yeah, he said he didn't really like it. Oh, he is, he's the enemy of the people, for real. Like, yeah, Gareth, yeah. And it's so funny, because Gareth Edwards is like, I love Star Wars. Yeah, he's like, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And ever, all the cast was like, yeah, Gareth, if you have any questions about Star Wars, you go ask him. And then Tony Gilroy was like, I hate Star Wars. I only <laughs> I care do. about one character, and that's it. And then it's so funny because all the actors are like, I love Star Wars. Like, yeah. I watched all the stuff for like, or like, I got, or like, uh, Denise was like, oh, I was like doing the Imperial March yeah. under my Everyone breath. Tony is like, what are you doing? I've never heard of this. <laughs> my favorite is when Diego did an interview recently where he was like, I had this like Darth Vader thing this like case and he like said he put all of his crayons <laughs> imagining like a big Diego Luna with crayons and like a Darth Vader face <laughs> I know I have to like show you guys what it looks like but but yeah just imagining Diego Luna or like Cassian Endor is going to school and he's like swinging his Darth Vader <laughs> <laughs> it's not Darth Vader, it's like General Grievous. Yeah, he's, so he's, he's, gen- he's a General <laughs> Grievous stand. <laughs> There's it's Count Dooku on one side and General Grievous on the other. <laughs> General Grievous told him to throw rocks at clones. <laughs> he was like anything to make this to, to make him happy. <laughs> Do you know in like Lost Stars when like as a child, uh like Thane and Senna meet Tarkin? Yeah, that was like Cassian. Like it's he would just like separate and, and he saw Lord Dooku <laughs> and or General Grievous. General Grievous and Cassian and are in the same room together. <laughs> oh, the connection That's between Andor so... <laughs> uh, oh. is the, is the new Lost Stars. <laughs> <laughs> Lost Stars is the first uh, oh. canon novel to give us like a sexy scene right yeah oh no but it was all about that <laughs> they have I, a I, log of all the sex scenes in star wars i've seen it it's expensive well, rebel rising has a sexy scene right in the field it has a sexy scene but they don't have i think it's i think it's just make out no, I think I is think it? it's more than that. Oh, she, okay, because I've always just interpreted it as a makeout, but he literally guess... asked her to to do what she wants with his body. I'm not kidding. That's what it says. Oh yeah, no, you're he's right. like he's like you can do whatever you want to my body, and then it literally ends the chapter. It does with, kind and of. So she did. Not a fate to black sex scene in my <laughs> Star Wars, because <laughs> there because it's also a false star. Princess and the Scoundrels kind of multiple times implied. Oh my gosh, when she said <laughs> oh, that she Hottest knew what she was gonna do. Oh my god, I was like, Hottest Hottest like constantly girl. like, gotta fuck. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> <Her> fucking. <laughs> They're like rabbits. Oh, I'm so. I'm honestly cool. surprised that the solo novelization didn't imply right more. They fucked. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they never were just like they were into. <laughs> Somebody was making a joke when that whole like Bix Cassian and Jin Cassian outburst happened out of the blue. And someone was like, did you really think that Cassian Endor was a virgin? (laughs) 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 That was their tweet. They were like, 
what are you guys so upset about that your faith isn't a virgin <laughs> I thought that was so funny. why do you want him to be a virgin oh my god and then the whole SFX magazine came out Same sex <laughs> Sex. Cassian CEO of sex. The <laughs> fact that I truly believe that Cassian Andor has more sexual experience than Din Djarin, despite the fact that the fandom, many of people in the fandom would disagree with me. A lot I'm of people, correct. a lot of people, and I agree with this. A lot of people think that he used like seduction to get information. Well, he the whole weaponized handsomeness thing. Yeah, he and, was like hello. And, and with the weaponized handsomeness, I feel like they specifically sent him, and I think beyond him just being like in part of the Death Star mission, I feel like they specifically sent him to talk to Jin because they were like, she's a 21-year-old girl and Cassian is an attractive 20-year-old man in his 20s. So we'll send him in and she'll be like, oh. <laughs> you know. And then they heard, and then he heard that she beat Melshi with a shovel and he Squidward gift. <laughs> <laughs> he either Squidward gift or he Walter White gift. <laughs> so true. There's this yeah. photo of a man making out with like a fighting dummy. And yes. <laughs> I would put a caption over it. I was like Cassian training for the Death Star mission when he found out that he beat Jin beat Melshi with a show. <laughs> That's one of your best tweets. <laughs> so anyway, that's what we think about a book or comic with Cassian. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, why a book that just like all of many other YA books confirms that Cassian and or and thinks it's not lost virgin. their virginities to it. <laughs> they explored each other's bodies. <laughs> they explored each other's Do you think they've ever explored each other's bodies? I'm the minute the minute we get a picture of Cyril and Cassian standing next to each other. I'm posting that. <laughs> somebody, somebody, when my like Bix and Cassian tweet blew up the like news thing, somebody was like, who said they were siblings? And I was like, <laughs> couldn't be me. Like, no. I was, I was like, someone else. <laughs> I think Which one meant- of you? <laughs> like, point. It was you. It's, wasn't it's, it's, the, it's the hot dog. We're all looking for the guy who did this. <laughs> it was so embarrassing people were literally telling me that I had convinced them that they were siblings you and then I posted yeah I was like they're siblings they 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 grew up together they left best together I was like they're gonna be so sibling coded as siblings and they're gonna and I was like I posted the thing of of Andrea and Diego and I was like look at the Andor siblings and then I like searched it up when I found out that Bix and Cassian were romantic and I was like delete 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 <laughs> I was like I don't want someone to make a cancel thread about me <laughs> <laughs> this idiot thought they were siblings, siblings. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's cancelable I, I cancelled myself over it I was Cancel like <laughs> Apology, no tap apology. <laughs> no, it's Google Docs apology now. Oh. I should have done a no tap apology. I'm sorry for I am you very that sorry that I thought these two people were siblings. They They're probably not. kissed on the mouth. I am very sorry. <laughs> they, Please they have... don't make a threat about me. <laughs> it's the photo of Travis Scott when he did his <laughs> apology video. <laughs> 
that'd be bad. But anyways, anyways, we forget about that. We don't. We yeah. don't focus on that. That wasn't me. That was a, that's somebody else. <laughs> Uh, finally we have kessel run book club uh we're recording this episode a little bit in advance of it actually coming out so we're gonna wait on uh talking about comics this week but that's okay because this episode is already long (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh what has everyone been reading i have been trying to get back into the legends book tales of the bounty hunters which basically is uh it's an anthology book uh from legends about like the bit the bat the, the bridge scene bounty hunters so like dengar farloem and zuckus uh bosk boba fett and ig88 i'm currently about 12 pages into the ig88 story which is actually it was, a lot of it was recanonized in that one ig88 one shot that came out for war of the bounty hunters which i actually just reread a couple weeks ago for our war of the bounty hunters episode um but i'm also about a couple pages into most wanted which is one book off my bully hayden to read list (laughs) and then i was also going to read um i can't remember if i was gonna read another legends book or if I was going to try and get into some of my canon books. Um, but now I really need to read Rebel Rising and Rogue One and the Rogue One novelization. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically no comics in sight. Just, I think War of the Bounty, our, our War of the Bounty Hunters binge kind of like fizzled fried that your out. Brain. <laughs> <laughs> when I say fried my brain, I have not been the same since. I tell you, I read 703 pages of comics in a single day. Yeah. It was a lot. I was really impressed with y'all. The fact that you all were like, oh, we basically reread the entire series in like two days. I was like, shh. Mm -hmm. Like we all really like comics, but we are all huge procrastinators. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's super impressive. Thank you. As the backbone of Star Wars comic Twitter, we oh, try. Oh <laughs> You're the CEO of Valence Nation. You have yeah. to keep up. Hey, I gotta keep up. Hey, oh, sorry. Go he definitely got me into reading that. Like, I, I was like, okay, who is this guy? I, I gotta know why she likes him so much. And then the, like, first issue, I was like, okay, I got it. This is uh, an experience that multiple people have had at this point. Yeah. And it's no, really it's incredible like how much how much power Hayden has. No, I, I did it first with Taika Waititi. I am doing it again with balance. <laughs> the balance agenda never stops. Like I the fact really... that the beginning of this year, there were several, there were like less of the fandom knew about balance than they do now <laughs> just because of it. Well, I was so, I, I didn't really like talk to, to you, Hayden, much. I know we were moods, but when the book of Boba Fett was out and I saw you on the timeline, like every single Tuesday night, you were like, balance in this episode, balance in this episode. In because this episode. it made sense. I was rooting for you. I, and with those Han you. Solo rumors, I was like, oh, I didn't even Stop. know who balance was. I was like, I, balance better be in this episode. Like, <laughs> needs to, I had like no idea who he was. I just really wanted it for you. And then I with, with Andor with like the mud troopers. I know like, I'm telling you, you've like, seen the vision. You've seen the vision. 
when, and Val- that is important. when Valance is in uh, Mando season three, then I, you'll all see. <laughs> I, I came into Hayes' DMs and I was like, get this. <laughs> Valance and Valance Cassian. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up because I knew Emily would be in my walls. But <laughs> Valance and Cassian. I, I was like, oh, it's perfect. No, like, like, it makes sense. It kind of makes sense. It does make sense. I could see it. The size, like that. There's the size difference. That's there. Yeah. Well, they, the, yeah. They're just both attractive, so it works. <laughs> so true. Balance is attractive. <laughs> hey, He's the air quotes. He's a I very cannot, sexy I'm, cyborg man. I'm sorry. I cannot get over that picture of Imperial. <laughs> okay that is a pretty bad picture i don't know how they managed to age and de-age him so quickly (laughs) no he did look really bad no he looks soulless him and darth vader right now i am in the goddamn trenches okay (laughs) there's one panel where he looks okay in darth vader 21 when he's talking about cadelia but the rest of the issue he just looks like a senior citizen (laughs) <laughs> like that man needs to be on Imperial Social Security, not on Vader's task force. There, that's the only worst. thirty. That's He's the worst. Literally only thirty. It's like you're reading a comic, like like the Rogue One adaptation, the comic. I hate the way Cassian is drawn. I really, it. it looks so bad, and I know that I'm probably one of the only people who think that. But anytime I look at him, I'm like, who is this? This is not Cassian. And they made Bodhi like white. And like, I was like, who who gave the okay on this comic? I need to look at who, um, at who did the art because I know Paolo Villanelli, our bestie, did an issue. So I hope you're not referring yeah, like, to that. Some one. of the art is really good. Some of it is. Uh, I bet it's Paolo. It's like, it's, it's like the Paolo Paolo comics. I'm so sorry. It's like the Poe comics where some of it is very good and then it like is, but it doesn't, luckily they never do that hyper-realistic style that is the scariest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. If we get a Cassian comic and like Noto draws it the same way that he did the Poe comics, I think that- I think that Andor Twitter would would die. Actually, no, like I think yeah. that we would lose it, and we should yeah. never get the man who did the last couple of Poe comics to touch Cassie. I forget if it's. Life. I think it's Angel Unzu Unzueta. Unzueta? I don't want I don't want to see Cassian's teeth looking like that. No, oh, and Diego has like such specific lovable teeth. Teeth, he yeah. <laughs> He's got like the cute little teeth. No, you want to know. You want to know who you need to be scared of when doing teeth is Salvador Laroca, yeah, who is okay. coming back for Revelations, and I I want to flip this desk over. Um, that's why. No. That's why I don't like the Cassian and K two comic because it doesn't feel like Cassian. It feels like Poe. Like I feel like they wrote for Poe. Oh, interesting. It, it just feels like the Cassian, like he in the K two comic, he doesn't really have a personality. No, and he like yeah. Curtis and Rismore both speak through the twins both speak through like the smell. Smell. Mm-hmm. And he like Cassian is said to be like very quiet and like to himself and he talks the entire comic. And then there's a scene kind of aggressive. Where, yeah, there's a scene where they're like in this group of people and Cassian is the only human being and he's like he like turns to the twins and it's like try to blend in. 
And I'm like, <laughs> I remember that pan- that panel. That like like what? I if we get anything from that comic, I hope it's Curtis and Rismore. Yes, I love them. The big brotherism that he had with them. So true. Yeah. So true. He was like, "Hey, dude, protect them," and I was like, "Big brother got So, Savvy, what are you reading? I said it earlier in the the recording, but I am reading The Princess and the Scoundrel very slowly. Um, (laughs) You very slowly. But I've been listening to the audiobook as well as reading because the narrator for Han sounds exactly like Harrison. Have you guys heard it? Mm Mm-mm. I have... I I took a video of it because I was listening to it on my laptop while I was working. And I can send it to you after this, but literally, like, exactly like Harrison. So I feel like I have to listen to it to, like, immerse myself a little bit more. But when it's, like, Leia's chapter, it's a female narrator. Is it Mark Thompson? Who does Han? I don't, I don't know. I didn't look. Oh, okay. I was like, I just know he's, like, he does a lot of the Star Wars audiobooks. Maybe I also heard, oh, sorry. No, (laughs) No, go ahead. I also I also heard that there are parts of the solo score that play during the audiobook. I don't know if that's true. I heard it from an unverified source. Is it? I'm not that. Oh, it is Mark Thompson. So what is cute, though, is that while they're on Endor, you can hear Ewoks in the background. Oh, okay. I like that. That's really, really cute. And, And Luke, Luke and Leia's conversation conversations when they do speak are also really cute like with when the narrator does it Mm -hmm. um it's a I I have like such a soft spot for Han and Leia I don't talk about them a lot but if if I my brain wasn't so rotted with the Endor series I definitely think that I would be a Han and Leia butter but Mm -hmm. I adore them and the fact that like Beth wrote this book after I and I like found out after I had read Rebel Rising that this was coming out like when we all collectively found out this was coming out. I was I was so excited. I love Han and Leia and like any more of them that we can get, I want it. <laughs> and I, I don't know, just the fact that it's so like soft, like oh, it's this... their wedding and their honeymoon. Oh my God. And like the fact like when he tells her he wants to marry her and I was like I want you (laughs) yeah it was like waterworks I was like hon you're so mushy no their wedding scene I'm so excited and the fact that the dress the dress on the front looks a lot like one of Padme's dresses have you guys seen that comparison vaguely And the yeah. flowers in her hair. Yeah, the flowers in her hair. Suffering. Yeah. <laughs> and then I am still 30 pages away from finishing the Rogue One novel, but I'm not ready to read the line, Jen Urso becomes one with the Force in real time. So I've put that off. <laughs> it's not even, I that line and then the, I think she would have been incredible. Yes. I'm not ready to read that, and I like where I stopped, and I don't want to continue. 
But yeah. Liv? Oh. Nope, go ahead. Liv, have you I was just going to say, I reread all of Afro 2020. Oh, yeah. As my uh, flight was so rudely delayed last week. (laughs) Five hours. That's terrible. Oh, we literally God. had to that restructure our entire weekend. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not even funny. It's fine though. For it a two-hour flight, but yeah, really. <sighs> but I got to reread Afra, so it's fine. That's good. <laughs> but that's all that I've been reading. <laughs> Which I mean, I'm glad I reread it before Afra came out this week. But yeah, we talk about. Uh, Which we have already talked about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am reading a historical romance book called uh, A Caribbean Heiress in Paris. It's about a, uh, it's like set in the 1890s, I think. And it's about a girl who uh, comes from the Caribbean to sell her rum at like the, I think it's like the World's Fair in Paris um and she sells her rum and she ends up meeting this Scottish man who is selling his whiskey and they end up basically having to be in a marriage of convenience because she's a woman and she's a woman of color so she's having a lot of trouble like getting people to buy her stuff and also she can't access her trust because her dad died and left it with like this guy and she's like if I'm married though my husband can immediately get it for me and he needs to marry because uh, his mother in her, her will left the like whiskey business to him, but only as a wedding gift. So to get it from his father, who's like really terrible, uh, he has to marry. So they decide it's like a marriage of convenience. Um, it's very nice. good so far. Fun. I love a good historical romance. <laughs> that sounds good. Yes. Uh, read... Sorry, go ahead. No. Have you read Song of Achilles? Yes, I have. Okay. I've also read okay. Cersei. That one, I I think okay. I like Cersei a little bit more, but I I, I also really like Song of Achilles. Cer- Cersei's on my uh, like to be read bookshelf part of my bookshelf, but yes. <laughs> I'm, exci- I'm Cersei's excited. like one of my favorite books ever. Actually, I love it. <laughs> she's releasing uh, she's releasing a Persephone novel, so I'm so excited. So excited. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. More, I'm a big more Olympus fan, so I am so I excited just, to see this. I, just bought that the first like bind up of that because yeah, mainly because you were you tweeted about it so much so I was like I'll buy this I'll see what it's about I've You're seen your Jin Cassie and Laura Olympus yes parallels. that's <laughs> part of reason uh, when there's just this one scene where so he has these like stars but they're freckles and she says that she loves them and I was like this is Jin Cassie yeah but reverse. <laughs> even he even has Cassian's nose <laughs> let well i think we've seen, you've said this before but uh felicity and diego as hades and persephone in the percy jackson tv show this is what i need <laughs> yes or there's a hades and persephone novel called the touch of darkness and i think that, that they would <laughs> i think that they would slay they would be so good i but think like, diego would be a very good god in uh Percy Jackson though I feel like I wanted I wanted him to play uh Poseidon oh that could have been really good 
right I think it all right I am gonna butcher the name and I'm so sorry mythology lovers but uh the I won't even say it the god of wine Dionysus Dionysus he would be an insanely good Dionysus Mr. D (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I was like yeah but I was like he could be a really good Hades and also I would probably I don't know if anybody's a really big Percy Jackson fan but there's a specific scene in the Bloods of Olympus between Hades and Nico um and it was like it's basically like there's this quote where he's like he's like not a lot of my children get to be happy but I hope that you're one of the ones but I hope that you get to be happy and I literally Aww. cried <laughs> that was like a scene that Diego so Lewis decided I love Nico D'Angelo. Anyway, that's off topic. <laughs> um, but that is it for this week. So thank you so much, Sabi, for joining yeah. us. You were literally the first person that we thought of when we're like, oh, we'll do a Cassie and Andor episode. And we're like, well, obviously, Sabi has to come oh, on. <laughs> that's so awesome. It was so fun talking about it with you guys. Yes. And we'll probably end up having you on for an actual like and or when we probably do our multiple episodes probably multiple <laughs> that would be so uh, fun <laughs> yes so probably expect to hear Savi again uh, <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening uh you can follow us on social media our links will be in the description if you want to ask us questions you can submit them through our email uh which will be in the description or through our twitter uh as always thank you once again for listening and may the force be with you